everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, a place about games, friends, and getting better, and Jeff Marchiafava and Kyle Hilliard and Jenna Garcia as well. Welcome, everybody! Why, why do well, see, now you intro. don't have to do intros. Yeah. That's great. Well, I think... I, Built in. I mean, people probably know Janet's voice. It goes a little something like this. Hello. People probably know Kyle's voice. It goes a little something like this. Hello. That's right. And Jeff Argifava is the other mysterious voice who will not yeah, speak on the podcast. Let's trick everyone for the audio podcast. That sounds fun. So they won't know who's talking. I'm excited for this here show. This is this is what I call a light, funky one. I think it's going to be really good, but it's a little funky for a couple reasons. First of all, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy 16. Nothing funky about it. This is as good as gaming can get. Um, what's funky is we were not... We invited to this preview event, uh, which breaks my damn heart. But it's fine. It's fine. We're big boys and girls. We can take it. Um, but so we'll be talking about just kind of the avalanche blast of everybody else's coverage about Final Fantasy 16 because I think it's it's really interesting to unpack. Then we're going to be doing something that people have been screaming for us to do for a very long time. I'd say three thousand years. Whenever we do like a poll or post on Reddit or in the Discord and just say like, "Hey, uh, what do you want us to do more of at MinMax?" By far. I feel like the number one response is like, do deepest dives, but just like shorter and smaller, but do like that type of format for like other things. And it's like, well, that's kind of <laughs> what the podcast is. But so the uh, point, point is we're going to try it to some extent, uh, this episode of the podcast, because Kyle just finished The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap, the 2004 Game Boy Advance game. So we're going to... Is it The Minish Cap? It is, I think. Yes, Cap. there's two The's, which mm-hmm. I think is ridiculous. I agree. The Wind Waker, right? Yeah. yeah. And The Minish Cap. Okay. Call it Minish Cap. It's it's cleaner. Uh, so we're going to be unpacking that uh, now that it's on Switch Online. I feel like a lot of people are playing it now. And so we've played it and Kyle finished the damn thing. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some news from Big Pokemon Day. Pfft, Jeff, I'm trying to stay awake during this conversation, buddy. Uh, he already, wants what? to go to sleep for that. That's... you. Right. Oh, that's the goal. Yeah. So, Jeff, if you could promise me to fall asleep during that book one presents conversation, I'd really appreciate it. Um, And then Jeff is insistent that we talk about Horizon Forbidden West. So we're going to be doing that again. And then we're going to be talking about a game called Scars Above, which I'm I am excited to talk about this thing. It's a third person uh, sci fi thingy. And then back half the show, of course, we have great community questions. Uh, Thank you all for being here, for watching, listening. Do we think people not enough or too much? Do you think at Min Max Janet? What do I think people? What? Did, yeah, I'm just asking, do you think people too much? Or <laughs> no, do we thank people? I feel like every podcast, oh, every outlet, you. it's always like, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's it's if you say it too much, it becomes rote. And I don't know the right level of thanking people for letting a place like MinMax exist, you know? I think we're doing okay. Every other episode. Every other episode? Okay. I think we're doing okay, too. Um, okay, Final Fantasy 16. Let's let's unpack what we learned from other outlets that got to go see it. I watched a bunch of IGN coverage, Game Informer coverage, um, Easy Allies got to go, which is very cool. Um, Kyle, since you were kind of in the loop on this whole thing, um, this seemed like a event where they're jumping you ahead to like five hours into the game, but they kind of mixed and matched like the abilities that you'd have there. And it seemed like more than anything else, you're primarily focusing on combat. It's like, as far as I can tell, the demo was like, run through a little bit of a castle that's kind of boring looking, no offense. No offense to medieval architects. Um, And then you get into some normal fights and then some big boss fights against some summons or icons, I guess they want to be called. Um, And then that's kind of the extent. And by and large, it seemed like the takeaway that I heard was people being like, this combat's legit. You know, like it turns out hiring a combat designer from Devil May Cry 5 to bring on is, is pretty damn good. 
And also Marvel versus Capcom 2. Right. I didn't realize right. as well. Yeah. And it's always. Yeah, but the event yeah. was definitely like, hey, check out the combat, like ex- almost exclusively. You know? Right. And what'd you think of everything you saw and heard? Uh, yeah. So Wesley LeBlanc went and saw it for Game Informer, and I kind of sat in on some of his video coverage. So it's all like secondary, right? I read right, a bunch right, right. of his stuff. But it looks great, man. It looks like. It looks like a, a full-on action game, honestly. Like, if you if you watch like a few minutes of gameplay, I I don't even know that you would be like, oh, this is clearly Final Fantasy. And right. I say that in a positive way. Like they're tr- like they're trying something new with this one, and they're leaning into like that they brought on the Devil May Cry Devil May Cry combat designer, and that seems very apparent in a cool way. Right. Yeah. So Yoshi P, who's the uh, producer for this thing, also is a producer uh, and kind of showrunner if you will for final fantasy 14 so he has a lot of community love but he did 3,000 interviews and it's interesting to hear where he's at um one of them was you know a lot of people might be belly aching about like eh, it's not my turn-based final fantasy i don't really want devil may cry combat which i kind of hear i'm kind of in that camp as well but i'm always open to people trying new things but he had an interesting quote in a gamatsu interview where yoshi p said uh, back in the day, director Katase-san, who's the director of, you know, 7 and 8 and a lot of old games, uh, Katase-san told me that Final Fantasy is what the creators at that time think Final Fantasy should be, and that's what you should do when creating a new game. <laughs> so I love just I like the that. looseness. Like, I, it's more fun to have an overall series that's experimental and bizarre, and it seems like... Keep a chocobo, the cover art is... <laughs> the font for the cover art is pretty much squared away for you, but everything else, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, that was surprising, too, is he, there's a interview where he was talking about... And I'm starting to remember where it was exactly. Um, maybe Gamatsu again, where he was talking about they were halfway through development, and then like an associate producer or somebody on the team raised their hand and they're like, uh, there's not a Moogle in this game. And they're like, oh crap. <laughs> like they got that far before just for like including some of the Final Fantasy basics because they're trying yeah. to go so hard in their direction. And that's kind of, you know, we talked about it before, but that is my biggest concern with this is, you know, Gematsu, God bless him, they asked him about just like, are there lighthearted things in this Final Fantasy? Because it seems very Game of Thrones, feels very throwbacky. And his answer is a little concerning where he says, you know, when you have this hero, Clive, who's talking about and driven by revenge, you can't suddenly be like, I'm going to go out and fish. So in that sense, there aren't those types of light things that are going to detract from the story that we're trying to tell. Mm. which is uh, so no fishing no fishing and just the idea of like ah, the light stuff it's distracting i don't think so and, and but there's gonna be side stuff and they say hey you can go out on hunts like in final fantasy 12 and kyle do you understand there's like a battle arena where you like post your high score online and stuff for oh no weird okay yeah so right, that's, that's like that's, the other that's, side. I'm stuff. sure that will be very background, <laughs> you know. But it, <laughs> it is an odd thing. I'm sure some people are going to be all in on it. But Janet, how are you feeling about 16 based on everything you see in here? I mean, I'll give it a go. I think because I'm still so new to Final Fantasy in general. Yeah, it's funny. Like even the discussion of what is a Final Fantasy game, because that's something I've asked a lot of people, and everyone has kind of like a different answer. They're like, oh, well, you know. It's it's people and they're having this adventure and the world kind of has like these connective threads. But like eh. this one's different <laughs> than this one and start here, but then don't go here. And like, you know, it's, it's kind of a hodgepodge of things, which is kind right. of nice about, I think, a long running franchise. So often when there's something, you know, with less installments, there's that. Oh, do I go back? Do I got to catch up here? It's like you're, you're not going to catch up. You just just jump in somewhere yep. and just wait around and see what's there. So uh, I would definitely be down to check this one out when it comes out. Yeah, it's interesting. Like um, there was an interview as well where he's like, I don't even want to call this game a JRPG. 
And That's today's discourse, yes. Exactly, yeah. As he was saying, like, he said, uh, JRPG, I feel like that term's kind of derogatory. It was used in, like, the early 2000s to, like, look down on Japanese RPGs. It's like, hmm, that's interesting that, that they would perceive it that way within Square, where in my mind, it's like, if you say something's a JRPG, I'm much more interested than if it's just an RPG or a Western RPG in particular. Yeah, but it, it was always just a genre identifier to me. But, like, right. reading his quotes, I, I, I totally see where he's coming from. Like, it, it, it makes sense that, like, they would see it as a... Uh, the, the, in a negative way, right. even though to me it was just like a subgenre of RPG. Yeah, but I think it's just cool to like reframe your mind to think of like, okay, the creators of Final Fantasy 16, they don't want to see it as a JRPG. They are not viewing it that way. This is just an action game with some Final Fantasy staples thrown in there. And it's interesting in so many of the interviews. And a Moogle apparently like at the last One second. Moogle. It's probably <laughs> going to be put in a guillotine within three minutes. You know, they're going to chop off his little no. pointy antenna. Um <laughs> But so cute. It, it's interesting to hear in all the interviews, he was he was referencing God of War a lot, um, especially like, like modern early, God of War. Yeah, it's a little part. <laughs> unclear, unclear. Like I, he said that, you know, they were really impressed by the original God of War. But then he was talking about like how this game, it's not open world. There's going to be kind of like a you have your center space, which is called the hideaway. So like Sid apparently is the leader of this hideaway group. And early on, Clive gets inducted into this group and so you're going out on missions from this hideaway location so that made me think of like okay is it kind of like the the shack in or not the shack but um you know the the secret tree house whatever the hell you want to call it in god of War oh, ragnarok you know right. just for an overall structure yeah, um well they were certainly working on this before they played ragnarok yeah like, yeah that's true but, but I for could now see what you mean for his point of reference that maybe he's trying to make now maybe he can he can jump to that if yeah. he's just playing it now or whatever but then especially he was referencing it a lot when it comes to the boss fights because, you know, you've seen glimpses before like, okay, you're going to be going through and fighting all the summons and there's going to be these huge set piece style boss fights where you are controlling like Ifrit, for example, seems to be the main one. Um, and then you're just going up and having these giant uh, kaiju style fights, but everyone has a different style of gameplay associated with it. Is that your read too, Kyle? Yeah, no, it sounds like um, like there's one that maybe even is going to feel like an on-rail shooter was right. like the only tease. And I, I was joking with Wes. I was like, yeah, one's going to be a kart racer. And <laughs> Wes's response was like, honestly, the way they were talking about it, right. like it wouldn't surprise me just because they, they were really leaning into like how diverse they want to make each of those fights. And they're like these big, huge, expensive set pieces. And they almost seemed like, annoyed that they're like yeah we're just like we really you know spent a lot of time and money on these things yeah and just one-offs and we have a bunch of them throughout the game it's like that sounds cool man that sounds cool they really want to blow you away and have these big set piece moments it's like okay that, that seems all right and then it's cool because you can also like in uh incorporate these summons into the combat too you can kind of switch into like hey now i'm in ifrit mode now i'm in shiva mode and that affects your attacks and they compared that to like the job system in five which is kind of cool they even had like the director of five doing interviews at this press event and stuff so you can just like swap through these different styles even though you're only controlling clive and then jeffem you can also control his dog named torgal so if that doesn't i'm in for i'm you. back okay. in okay good i was <laughs> out with the no fishing but now we got a dog so. yeah yeah I guess he's i guess controlling him is is a, a little bit of a misnomer it sounds like he's like with you and you can kind of say like hey focus on healing me or focus on attacking but you're not really, yeah. like he's just around well, so he's, he's like, like that's he's cool. apparently the left button on the d-pad is to go to like yeah. the torgal commands and then he has like two attacks and a heal option and not the heal you're thinking of jeff um <laughs> 
Anyways, uh, cut that out. Uh, yeah, we will be trimming out every joke that doesn't work. We edit all these in post. Ben puts laughter under all them. Oh, big time, big yeah. time. But I'm just fascinated yeah. as a Final Fantasy fan to see like the direction they're taking here. And so many of the interviews they talk about, like you know, we wanted to go back to the roots, get back to like fantasy style storytelling basics of Final Fantasy. I know it kind of went sci-fi, kind of with six and beyond, and we want to go back to the basics. But it's funny because like. Well, nine also had that exact same messaging, like, "Hey, back to crystals, back to summons, back to basics, back to fantasy." Except nine is like maybe the most whimsical one. I guess fourteen maybe would take the cake now, but like nine is a silly ass game, and I love it for it. And so it's just to see them being like, "No, no, same starting mission, except ours is going to be rated M for mature, and you're going to watch Chocobos bleed to death." And it's like, okay. there was a scene in that big, the big. I, icon fight, I guess what they're what they're called, right? Where you were yeah. like the big kaiju fight, like they're uh, Clive inhabiting this, the giant. Uh, sorry, I don't remember Ifrit, right? The yeah. giant like fiery creature rips off the leg of who they're fighting, and then the the leg actually like grows back, and you can see all like the muscle musculature oh, and stuff god. like growing back, and it's like, oh my god, man, they're really <laughs> they're going for it here. This is weird. I, I think it is probably again just like well, Game of Thrones is popular. I mean, this game started development a long time ago, probably like peak Game of Thrones hype, and it's like okay, I guess it has to be mature and bloody, and maybe they just love this stuff, you know? Um, they did say that they have an interesting approach for like difficulty this time around, where there's not like an easy mode per se. Um, but that the way they're accommodating for a bunch of different types of players, especially Final Fantasy players, will be like, stylish action? I'm not going to be good at this. So the way they're doing it is there's like rings that you can like equip or attach to yourself. And those ring- rings like slow it down more if you're about to take an attack or make it so you auto heal and stuff like the potions pop automatically. So it's like it's kind of a cool approach to difficulty. Like there's one difficulty, but these items are going to be here if you want to equip them. And then if you feel confident enough, you can take them off as you, as you go on through. But uh, I'm very curious about it. It's coming out in June. Um, PS5 exclusive. The PC thing has been a long debate about when this thing's coming to PC. And the messaging there was there is a six-month exclusivity window, which is funny that we know for the PS5. So everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's coming to PC after that. But then in this press tour, they're like, well... Actually, porting it's really hard. So even though that we have a six-month exclusivity window, like even when that's up, we're not going to be ready for the PC version, which is impressive that they're being so you know transparent about it. But that's kind of the, the magic of Yoshi P, right? Taking lessons from trying to keep a community happy with 14. So, so there it is. Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, go check out everybody else's coverage, and I am looking forward to playing it in the future. Hey, Kyle, what uh, what propelled you to go back to Minish Cap here? Well, it was, the uh, Minish Cap. I'm sorry, the, the Cap, one and please. only Minish Cap. Yeah, Minish Cap is my father. Um, <laughs> the fact it was on my Switch, like, yeah, <laughs> it just appeared there one day, and it's I said, as oh, simple as that. The Nintendo Magic. <laughs> Hello, one of my favorite Zelda games. I'll dabble with you. Oh, suddenly I've played enough to see credits. Okay, <laughs> that's here's, how that happens sometimes. Since you've played this freaking thing um, yeah. multiple times now, like playing it again, I'm always curious. Like, did it did it bump up where it's at in your overall ranking? Did it move Ooh. it on the big meter of Zelda love? No, no, it probably stays about where where it was, wherever that was. Which is um, what? Uh, like top eight? Eight? <laughs> Trash! Know. Why are we talking see, about Twilight it? Twilight Princess, uh, Breath of the Wild, Ocarina, Majora's Mask. You know, actually Minish, so maybe top five. Top maybe. five. I'd have to really think about it. You're putting oh, me but on just for Zelda. Overall, where are these Zelda... Where's the Zelda chunk in your overall list. Yeah, could you run us down your top 100 games of all time real quick, Kyle? 
I don't know, man. <laughs> Machete order, please. Yeah. I, I when I consider that list, I kind of like put Ocarina at number one, and then I don't really place the other Zeldas. I feel like Ocarina gets the spot. That's um, that's gross. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you finished this thing. Yeah. Uh, what'd, what'd you think going through it again? It's great. It's it's so charming. It's yeah. like I think it's it's like one. It's maybe the most adorable. Zelda. I guess Wind Waker. Well, you could make an argument for Wind Waker, maybe. But yeah, like the mechanic, the, the thing that I always liked about it, especially compared to the other 2D Zeldas, is like um you can you can get like these new sword attacks. You can like do rolls and stuff like that. You can like right. roll into a sword attack, and it just makes it's it feels like a small thing, but it permeates the whole game because you're moving you know around constantly so to be able to roll and do attacks while you're rolling and stuff like that just makes the act of moving around a lot better it's a smaller world overall compared right. to like a uh, link to the past it's much and it's way more navigable than link's awakening like yes. that was the thing going back to like the link's awakening remake was like ah this is i really love this but like getting from point a to point b is always so complicated because when they had to shrink that thing down for the game boy they had to make like moving around feel very maze like so that you could feel like you were you know you're moving a lot in what was ultimately a small space but minish cap has the small sort of total area but makes it much more easier from to get to point a to point b which I, i i really like it for that reason it's it's less of a maze and more of like you know, you know exactly where to go and, and how to get there. Yeah, I was kind of struck like the first time you get the map and you open it up in the game and you realize like, oh, this isn't that big of a world. And it's like, oh, wait, no, that's right. The entire premise of the game is shrinking down. So you're exploring so much more of the world and the world's, yeah. world's more interesting. Than you'd so think. you you played it uh, in the interest of this discussion. I, did you play a lot of it? Had you played it before? I or? probably had played like four hours before. I think when like the 3DS Ambassador thing came out, I played it there. Um, and, the, you know, my friends played it back in the day, and so it was definitely in the discussion and whatnot. But then I went back yeah. and just, like, played through the first dungeon again. And it was I was struck by, like, I forgot how there's flavors and hints of, like, Wind Waker even in this. Because I, I didn't have the timeline, and not the Zelda timeline, but the Zelda release timeline, the only one that matters. Like, in my head properly, of thinking, like, oh, it's weird that this came out a year or so after Wind Waker... And so even just seeing the influence of like, okay, when you kill an enemy, it'll still kind of explode in the pop of dust. Like there's Wind Waker flavors in here, which is something that I was just associated with. Like, okay, that's just for yeah. the DS entries. That's just Phantom Hourglasses when they're like, oh no, this is a continuation of Wind Waker. But there's a lot more Wind Waker in this, just design sensibilities than I remembered. It is, I mean, it is Toon Link, right? Is right, we, that's right. his name. It is Toon Link in the game. He doesn't really look like it, but on the cover, it is It is 100% the Link from Wind Waker. It, yeah, um, it, it's... Also weird, looking at the timeline of this one, when this released, it came out November 4th, 2004, and the DS released November 21st. Yeah. Like, it's just... I played it on my DS. Yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah that's a perfect way to you do know, it. I, it was funny because, like, I was so excited about the DS that already Game Boy Advance was kind of, like, fading into the background. And I was like, oh, yeah, new Zelda. I'm excited about that. I'll pick it up the day it comes out. And it wasn't... It was... I had this weird moment where I was, like, playing it the first hour or so, and I was like, I don't know why I wasn't over the moon excited for this right like i I, it almost felt like i was playing it on the i was excited for like a game from a previous generation but then when i started playing it i was like oh my god this is zelda this is a great zelda this is fantastic why why was i like tepid about this i don't know it's just because i was the hardware made me think about it in a strange way but it's weird i mean you're not uh, i don't want to out you as a man who wrote a freaking book about zelda and stuff but i know you're not 
head over heels for like 2D Zelda. So it's interesting that this one is so high up for you. Yeah, I think it's like um, the most well with the link. But you know what, Link Between Worlds, I would still I would put above Minish Cap actually. Sure. Sort of reconsidering my list, but I think it, you know that Link Between Worlds and this are the most contemporary 2D Zeldas. Like they have the they're the most modern. They feel the best. They take a lot of the lessons learned from the course of Zelda history. You know that improves them. Yeah, and I think that's why I liked it so much. Like I have more affection than this than link to the past because i didn't play link to the past when it came out i played it much later right. i played link to the past after ocarina of time and majora's mask that's tough that's tough yeah as great as i mean i still is. liked it. it's still a great game i really loved it but i don't i don't have the nostalgia for it yeah it is funny i went back and looked at uh, GameSpot's review by one brad shoemaker wonder where he is these days um and you know he really loved minish cap but then also he pointed out like it's a little short that's gonna dock it where it's like uh, main path is like fifteen hours. Like that seems, <laughs> I guess. For I think my Zelda? clock says like twenty or something. Oh really? I did okay. a lot of like side stuff. Yeah, that seems good to me. But maybe That's back funny. in that day, it seems especially for handheld. Or think you want your. I think that era though too. That was just an important like bullet point on the right. review of like what's how long is it and it was if it was short then that was bad. Right. You know? Right. Um, and now we've just gotten lazy. And we're just bad at games now. But then <laughs> now he also like it short. It's funny because then you know he ended the review being like, "Well, you know, with the DS on the horizon, like this is this is the last 2D Zelda we're gonna get, so we better enjoy it." It's kind of his attitude. It's like, "Oh, if only you knew." Link Between That's Worlds totally was wrong. right there, but Link Between <laughs> Worlds is so damn good. You just gotta wait a little bit. Uh, Jeff and Janet, did you all jump in? Did you check this out at all? Did you play it back in the day? Don't be shy. Uh, I didn't play it back in the day, um, and I am now currently on the mountain. Um, and for me, it's, it is that tie to, to, uh, a link to the past and feeling like, mm, Oh, there was, there was another link to the past that I never played, um, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. Hang on. But, I just, I just want to cover my bases. I know you love link to the past. You're a big super Nintendo kid. You have played link between worlds, right? No, oh, <laughs> are you kidding oh me? God. Oh, Jeff, what are you doing? What were you doing in 2013 yeah. that was so important? <sighs> I don't know. I, I don't even... The Tomb Raider. The Joel which, is heartbroken. Which, which one was Link Between Worlds? The 3DS, 3DS sequel to Link to the Past. In, in Japan, it's literally called Link to the Past 2. Oh, remember, you, you, got, you grabbed the cartridge and I think you wiped your ass with it, if I'm remembering correctly? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I didn't have a. Uh, I'm looking at pictures of it now. I didn't have a 3ds, so oh I, my! I was checked God. out of Nintendo for that window of time, and it's mm. it's not you like even even knowing about the <laughs> even knowing about the Minish Cap. Yeah. it's like I love Link. I love Link to the Past. That's where my nostalgia is. That's when I played as a kid. Right. It's, Have you heard I, about the I sequel? Wasn't, <laughs> yeah, the sequel's sequel. really good, man. <laughs> I I know, but I I mean, I I played Ocarina of Time. I played um, Majora's Mask. Like I wasn't. I guess I wasn't super. There. I didn't have like this urge to go back and play other older 2D Zeldas. Like sure. I enjoyed the 3D Zeldas. It's just that I have a lot. I have a lot of love packed into Link to the Past. But yes, now that I was forced to play this because of Kyle forcing <laughs> us all to play it, it was like, oh yeah, this is this is great. This has a lot of the charm and the style of this old classic yeah. that I enjoyed. Biggest surprise for you so far? Um, 
I don't know that there's been a ton of surprises. I've enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed the wind jug that you get. Some Isn't of the, that some weird? of the mechanisms with that, like launching yourself off the mushrooms. There've been there've been just some surprising little weird mechanisms that, you know, then they build into a bunch of puzzles. I like the giant barrel that you're rolling around it in. It looks that, surprisingly surprise. good. Yeah, yeah, in the first dungeon. Yeah, I, I was trying to remember, even at the first dungeon, I was like, I don't remember what the first item is. Like, I guess it should be bombs. Then using bombs to get rid of the cobwebs, that seems confusing, but fine. It's like, oh, that's right, the gust jar. I completely forgot about that. And it's just like that perfect Nintendo magic of like, here's a gust jar. It's going to be fun. The animation is going to be great. You're going to rip all these spider webs off the walls. And then here's the twist. You can use it to navigate a lily pad around as your like weird mm. motor to get around the yeah. water in the dungeon. It's such a cool idea. Uh, Janet, did you play this thing? Yeah, I dipped into it as well, uh, following the Cult of Kyle Hilliard. Yes, right. uh, I played it yesterday. I streamed it. It's funny, you streamed it as well. Yeah. So we, like, we had like back-to-back streams. Like The chat was telling me, like, oh, Ben was just playing this. Oh, funny. Uh, it was my first time playing it. I actually had watched um, Isaiah play some of it, my boyfriend, um, using his Raspberry Pi of Crime uh, many years, <laughs> uh-huh. like a year ago. I would never, I because... I, I wait years and years for Nintendo to maybe give me those games, you know, yeah, maybe like, arguably like a true longer game. than you should need to wait. Uh, one would say, <laughs> yeah, who can say? Yeah, who can I mean, say? You could have bought it. You know, they're selling it for like one twenty five at Walmart.com right now. <laughs> the minish cap. Okay. So talk about Nintendo Online finally giving you that value. But <laughs> all silly jokes aside, yeah, played it for the first time. <laughs> only saw like a few minutes of it. Like totally forgot anything about it other than the festival because I watched right. him play that, and then he bounced off really fast and played Metro Fusion instead, which. I don't know. You know, sure. Metro Fusion is a great game. Good game as well. Um, I love this game. Ooh, it good. is so good. It is stupid good. Like, <laughs> and it's adorable. To Kyle's point, like it is. Yeah. If you're a cute, cozy gamer and you're open to puzzles, because obviously there's a hell of a lot of puzzles in it, because it's 2D Zelda. This is like an absolute must-play. Like so many people, and it's funny because like you know, aesthetics and trends are cyclical. But right now, like what's really hot and like that like cute, cozy gaming community is definitely like fairy core stuff wood stuff so i'm like just the little mushrooms i'm like people yeah, would lose their it. mind for this old game that is so relevant and then yeah like the again, first... i didn't know anything going into this i didn't oh, know the cat great. talked i was like what's going on <laughs> <laughs> that's bizarre that you could just be checked out because like, you were a game boy advance player back in the day right yeah, but I don't know. I only had, you know, there's only so many Christmases and birthdays while you yeah. have the, the Game Boy Advance. Maybe a few report card pickups because, you know, I was killing it there. But all right, all right. I didn't have a lot of my Zelda history is so awkward, too. Like I was reflecting on it yesterday and I have like Breath of the Wild, which 80 hours in didn't finish. Oh. Wind Waker, which I loved. But like, did I beat it? Maybe no, Edwin no. knows if I beat it. No. Probably not. Well, why, you, why do you, you say would, no? I, well, because you would remember. Honestly, I, I don't mean that pejoratively. Like the ending of Wind of things, Waker is very memorable. Maybe, but a lot of I things just, kind of fuzz for me. It's a fuzz. In childhood it's gaming. A, I, I get it, but I always feel like whenever there's a doubt of like, did I finish that game? The answer is probably no. I think for everybody. It's <laughs> I just feel like, like you, you didn't do it. It's it's relevant no anyway, because it's like, okay, well, I don't remember it. So like if I beat it, I'm going to count that as like a new game I beat. Sure. Because I don't remember sure. beating it. Um, then I have like Phantom of the Hourglass, which I loved, but I think some people <laughs> didn't really Hourglass. care for. You're making yeah, it into a musical. That was what Zelda was to me. <laughs> A hundred percent. Like that was like my Zelda game, Family Hourglass. Everyone's like, that throwaway <laughs> random thing, that freak show. Huh? Hey, and I'm like, yeah, it was fun, uh, except 
we had to close the DS. That was stupid. Stupid. Oh, I love that. That was the best part. Um, uh, that's Onuma's favorite uh, Zelda that he worked. Is on. it really? Is that what he said? Yeah, that's that, what he said. I enjoyed that's it. I had fun. Like the people that got it, got it. You know. Um, <laughs> I like that. Game. And that is kind of it. And I guess a little bit of Majora's Mask on the 3DS, but that was it. From yeah. I don't think I've. I'm like, have I beaten any of these Zelda games? That's interesting. But this time, it oh, and a little bit of Link's Awakening, but it got too hard on like the Switch. Right, right, right. Mm, yeah. yeah, it. Uh, it's definitely this game has kind of the looseness and the charm that I love from Link's Awakening. Not, it's not as weird as Link's Awakening naturally, but just like it. It's maybe this is too much of a stretch, but like you can. I feel like you can feel the Capcom at times bleeding through because Capcom technically developed this, but like just in the overworld, like one of the first enemies you fight is like the big stack of like yellow ducks with like blue bandanas on they, they feel like serve bots they feel just like some weirdo they, mega man they enemy. show up in one area like <laughs> almost exclusively and have n- like never been in another zelda game <laughs> it's so weird but sure why not like i love just the silliness of um when you're yeah, the festival great start to a game every game should open like in a festival like crown trigger but then as you're working your way north there's like that deku shrub that you have to take out with the shield or whatever mm-hmm. And then he's like, hey, I'm trying to just actually hawk my wares at the festival, but I keep getting attacked because every time I try to talk to people, nuts fly out of my mouth and it attacks them. We're like, Wait, is this just rewriting all Zelda lore Then every Deku little shrub guy is trying to speak and just accidentally just launching nuts out of their mouth to attack you? It's good. That's good Zelda lore stuff. This is the stuff that good matters, stuff. everybody. Uh, yeah, the, um, the whole development history of this game, Kyle, like... I I like knowing developers' names. I feel like last week, if you would have put a gun to my head and said, what is the name of the director for Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom? I don't know if I could have gotten it. Could you have? No, which is embarrassing, yeah. honestly. I know it's the guy. He also did Skyward Sword, and I know he did Minish Cap, and I know right? he did Oracle of Ages and Seasons, yep. but I can't pull his name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, it's weird to just think of how long he goes back but it's Fujibayashi Hidemaro Fujibayashi yeah he goes back to working on like the Oracle games and the fact that he is really I mean you know it's easy to assign all the praise to one person that's not fair um, but like for somebody that is that talented I think it's just it's tough when it's like well Zelda a lot of people maybe would think Miyamoto it's like okay that's that's been a while since that wasn't the case and then maybe they go to a new one it's like well he's the producer but the guy who's been directing all of these and truly some of the greatest games of all time is Fujibayashi. And this is one of his bigger early efforts here. So it's fun to did try he, and think of it. Did he do Link Between Worlds, actually? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, so let's see. Wikipedia credits a, dis- a director, uh, Hiromasa Shikata. Okay. For Link Between Worlds. Ah, and then was he maybe co-director for Breath of the Wild? Is that where he maybe. eventually moved on to? Look um, him up. Yeah, Kyle, look him up. Very relevant <laughs> reference. Oh, I love that song. I got it. Uh, but yeah, Fujibayashi, I, I didn't realize that he worked on a game that I had never heard of, and I'm kicking myself about it. But it's called Magical Tetris Challenge. Is his first game, apparently, that he was a designer and director on. Oh, really? Do you know this game, Jeffum? No. Well, uh, you had me at Magical Tetris. What if I told you it it's, sound good. it's Tetris, but it has a bunch of old Disney characters in it? So it's just like Disney characters on the sides, but it's it's like uh, Kyle, help me out, Disney fan. It's like the weird dog characters from like the thirties. Pluto. No, I mean Pluto's probably in there. Who's Goofy. Like, no, the, the evil big him, thick dog guy. The sick dog guy. Bruiser, uh, evil dog in Disney. Or like, the, is that cute cat? 
the like with the no. She has like a pink bow. No, I'm thinking of Pete. Uh, Pete, the old dog character. Pete, Pete look him up. Look him up, Janet. Look him up. You'd recognize Pete. You'd recognize Pete. All right, Pete. now I have to. Them is the rules. But I, it's fun to think of like, okay, if you really want to research the director for Tears of the Kingdom, you got to go back and play Disney Tetris. Oh, yeah, everybody. I know this guy. Yeah, oh, Pete, you know Pete. You know from Pete. Um, but then it's fun, like it all interconnects too, because what, I mean, Kyle, was it a piece of concept art or in that GDC talk? At some point they talked about how they're originally going to include the Minish in Breath yeah. of the Wild, right? And then it was cut pretty God, late. I, I don't think it was even concept art. I think it was actually like assets, like in really? assets, I think. I, like if you look up Breath, like let's all let's all just look up stuff. Okay. Um, but it seems like they were at least uh, play, like really playing with the idea of bringing Minish into Breath of the Wild, but they cut it hmm. to the point where I'm like, maybe that makes it in Tears of the Kingdom. Maybe. They don't have enough to work on, yeah. It's interesting actually hearing... Um... Kit and Krista on the Kit and Krista podcast, they were talking about the last trailer for Tears of the Kingdom and like the people debating whether you can make your own cars and stuff. And they're like, well, you know, Fujibayashi is really into car culture. It's like, oh, nobody else knows that. So it's awesome to have Kit and Krista <laughs> yeah, from the inside of Nintendo be like, oh, he's nuts about cars. It's like, okay, that adds a little more fuel to the idea of that being a whole blown out system uh, for this whole thing. But uh, I was thinking, Kyle, with Minish Cap, and I was going back and reading like old interviews with them, talking about the development of this game, and they're talking about like, okay, obviously a core component of Zelda is to have like the two different worlds. Obviously, you got your light world, dark world, all that stuff, and here we're gonna have the big world, small world. Do you think they're kind of getting back to that with Tears of the Kingdom and the idea of like overworld, normal world, or sky world, and Hyrule? Um, no. I don't think so. I mean, I because I don't really think of Skyward Sword as having two worlds. Yeah. Right? And that was yeah. more just like here, up here and down here. Right. Where this Minish Cap, which is a brilliant approach like that I love, if they're going to do like a Dark World, Light World, I love this sort of Minish implementation, especially like later in the game. I don't know if you guys have gotten this far, but like you hit a point where you can basically explore the whole town as a Minish. Oh, and like you can actually get into the walls and like find other minish in the coffee shop and stuff like that. And there's like a lot, a lot of puzzles around that. That's sweet. And I love I, I love that. I love going and like doing some stuff at a dungeon and coming back and finding more pathways in the town that you can explore as a minish. Like that I love that stuff. It's so good. How is it not just huge if you're going to like a human town and then going minish size? Well, you like it? can go into a little like nooks and crannies. Like I haven't gotten that far. So Okay. Where we are, I'm, I'm around where Jeffum's at, I think, where I did the first dungeon, uh, hung out in the town, then I got like a little bit lost, but it's okay. I figured <laughs> uh, it out. Yeah. Someone told me the answer. Um, and then I went up the mountain, and now I'm like in the, I just started the cave, like the lava cave or something. Okay. I'm butchering that. It's hot. Because the hat's hot. like, yo, it's hot as hell in here. We right, gotta get going. Right, right. Also, the hat is so, like, Y'all don't, the, the hat's so sassy, too. I, like I didn't hat. expect that. Like, right when you get him, he's like, oh, such a hopeless child. It's like, maybe there's a reason that just culturally, I feel like Ezlo has not seeped into, maybe he is a beloved character and obviously iconic for a he's lot of people. He's mean cappy. He's mean cappy, but like, Kyle, am I wrong? Like, on the list of like Zelda characters, he's number 78 at best like Ezlo yeah. that name even is it has not permeated the wider gaming nerd culture from my perspective at least no no he hasn't stuck around yeah which he, which is too bad because he is he is fun yeah I like Ezlo you like him that guy uh, yeah me and Ezlo we're good uh, okay cool. I wish he helped out a little bit more like in you know again my Zelda history is funky but like you can do 
playing on Switch, like hitting like the minus button. He'll be like, hey, did you forget where you're going? You idiot. It's here. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, cool. But what if you could tell me a little more than that? Like, oh, right. like I was so badly want him to be a little bit more like the phone in Link's Awakening or yes. whatever. Yeah. yeah. And like the game looks gorgeous, too. Like everyone I was streaming it, everyone was commenting on how like well the art and like the look of it just holds up. And like it's such a pretty fun whimsical game that's full of lovely surprises like i'm eating this game up and it's not <laughs> too hard right so far yeah no yeah. it do, yeah it, it kind of pertains that i mean and you know as zelda goes i mean the more hearts you get the more you're just like you know just pushing your way through dungeons and stuff without caring much because you've always got you got like two rows of hearts at that point what's the puzzles that are hard to me not the combat the combat's like it's fine you just swing around we know how to do that I, but like some of the puzzles in Zelda games can like, that's why I stopped playing Link's Awakening. Cause at right. a certain point I was quite literally reading a guide and staring at the screen, doing what the guide said. And yeah, I'm like, what's going on? I, I kind of want to piece yeah. out if it's there was, that deep on my replay. It's, it's hard to say with puzzles. Cause it's like, I've technically played this before, even if I really don't remember any of them, but sure. like there was only one instance that I had to look up something where I, I had to go talk to someone in town. And like, there were like, I was like, Oh, you got to find this, uh, um, academic and i was like what i don't where is that and then even when i got the answer i was like i didn't i never would have thought to look there but that's right. not really a puzzle that's just like i didn't know where that one thing was well i was reading according to this brad shoemaker that uh, there's like a later ability where you can like make copies of yourself and that sounds yeah. like it'd be pretty elaborate for puzzles later on and stuff so it's the last um, clock winder also it's, exactly this game's everything. Right it's also here. super mario sunshine with the lily pad and the wind <laughs> that's right thing. that's right mm -hmm. the, the copy thing is actually more about pushing like a big block like there needs to be three of us to push this block interesting to, which is but yeah that that part's all fun because that gets into like four sword lore. yes not that we need to go into zelda lore or anything but like that four, four sword, sword still, lore and okay sorry go <laughs> like that stuff was still pretty recent in zelda you know like i think um four swords had come out what after wind waker right but before but before Minish Cap, is that right? Yeah, because so it, like, it was interesting to contextualize it in like a single player game. It's like, yeah, you can make copies of yourself to solve puzzles and stuff like that. And then they share the same villain with Vadi. Yes, Vadi is the is the main villain. Okay. It was funny in the. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but like in the end fight against him, Eslo's big tip, just talking about how uh, useless he kind of is and giving you tips. <laughs> he was like, I was. It took me a while to remember, like, to figure out what I was supposed to do, and I was like taking a lot of hits. And he, he actually, I didn't even press the button. He paused the game and he was like, hey, why don't you use one of those contraptions you've collected through the course of the game? And I was like, thanks, Ezlo. I haven't been trying every contraption in my inventory. Up to this, <laughs> this is all I, I got, man. Your input here. Uh, yeah, it looks like Four Swords came out, yeah, March of 20, 2004. Okay. So yeah, like a year after Wind Waker then, but before this song. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Legends of Zelda Minish Cap. Um, curious to hear everybody else's thoughts if everyone else is, is playing it at home. Janet, you think you're going to keep streaming it? I think so. I, I like it so much that I'm kind of tempted just to go on my own. Yeah. But realistically, I'm like, well, I have other things I need to get to. So maybe I can't make this just a stream game. Plus, it helps to like have chat there in case it I need so help helpful. with things. <laughs> yeah. Though I also have three monitors and I'm not above using one to pull up a guide just to see. Yeah, what The thing I got stuck on, which really quick, Jeff, I'm curious if you you said you got stuck on something during your playtime, yeah. right? Um, mm. For me, the light spoilers for the puzzle, in case you care. Um, it was the water that the water needed to the mineral water was the green water in oh, the right. in the 
with, and also that you could pick up the seed because mm. I wasn't looking yep. at the UI as much when I was like running into the seed. Also, once I started hitting I that rewind button, I never seed, stopped. I, yeah. I would rewind. I'm like, and it was funny because for like 10, 20 minutes, I kept going down to the base, getting more water, going back up, pouring it somewhere else. And then after like 20 minutes, I'm like, wait, I can rewind. Why have I been not rewinding? <laughs> after I got like the first element or whatever, the old guy's like, Hey, go to go to this other thing and take the side door out. And I left and I was like, and, and then I put it down, you know, and started the next night or something. I was like, wait, where was I supposed to go? <laughs> and then and then I, I I looked all around and then I even went back to him. And he was like, yeah, take the side door again. It's like somebody just tell me which one of these three spots. <laughs> I, I had a hard time. Uh, just finding the way to the mountain, I think. Like, I had, I kind of, I traced back every single route. Those stupid construction workers were blocking me from Lawn Lawn Ranch. It was like, there was just, there was just nowhere for me to go until I finally, I finally met the one guard who was like, you got to show me that you can do a spin attack or something. Okay, finally. And then, and then there's just been a series of, things where it's like okay finally i figured out where to go and then i'm in another small little area and it's like wait what the hell am i supposed to do i can't climb these walls i can't you know um but i haven't i haven't gotten as stuck since then and i just got the glove so now i can nice. actually climb also stuff. fair or foul that like you meet that one like little is it what are they called are they the, the deku scrubs oh sure and he's like hey someone to the east of here he has something to help you. My, my brother has something to help you. And the thing to help you, you have to buy. I mm. thought I would just get this as a gift. 40 mm. rubies. I was grinding for these rubies because I spent it all in that big wallet. No such thing as a free No one, I didn't have any money yeah. to put in the big wallet. But at the time, I had like, I was rolling 100 rubies deep. Like, I need the space. <laughs> then suddenly I became broker than you've ever seen like i was just out there respawning <laughs> blades of grass yeah that's praying. tough that's tough <laughs> yeah that's I, tough. I did the same thing but then i had to like lap around the map like four times until i yep. figure out where i was going so i had enough money by the time i got back to that guy yeah like, i was like when of, he those says deku east, shrubs what does yeah, he mean those, those deku shrubs are like you run into like six of those guys it's like okay another one in a cave he's gonna give me something new like, I think that's how you get the gloves, too. It, it's just like, those guys are all over the place. They're just waiting to hand out their items. Please, somebody come talk like, to us. monopoly they got going on there. Yeah. That's right. Um, did you guys get uh, two, uh, kinstones? Have you guys unlocked that yet? Yeah. That might be. Which drive me crazy about it. And someone, someone at me the answer because I don't care anymore. Um, I also appreciate how much my chat, like, didn't really help, which in a good way. Like, I think they let me figure things out. Um, but it took a long time to figure out some stuff. But again, I'm, I'm figuring it out, and that's that's fun. There was a guy who I swear to God was like, hey, um, do you know what these are? Give me one if you know. You don't know? Oh, you're dumb. Bye. And I was like, cool. And I left on my little minish way and I grew up and I walked around and then I got the stuff, you know, at the town. And they're like, oh, yeah. And then you like, you know, you blend hearts together. Again, adorable game. Your heart meets my heart. And now something nice will happen. Like, it's so cute. Mm. But I'm like, where's the guy who said, like, come back when I and I went all over town, like all over the map looking for him. And I never found the original um God, what are they called? The Minish that told me, like, hey, do you know what these are? Like, do you mm. have one? I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, if you maybe you maybe you totally know this, but if you get close to a character, like a white bubble will appear over their head. And if that happens, they'll trade a kinstone. So you can just like, you know, beeline to every person and see if they're looking for kinstones. Um, yeah, I think I might talk to them. 
I might be missing the. They did tell me that because he was like, I'm going to explain. And then he, and the explanation was really long. He's like talking for like four minutes. And then he's like, Did you get all that? And I literally recorded the conversation and said, Sure. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> so I had go. to re go around. But like, I was really impressed by how fleshed out the town was and how like fun and alive and how many shops and then like the little side quests of this woman needing to get her chickens back and I'm chasing these chickens around town and like I, I was just really to me like I guess my overall takeaway with the Minish Cap was as someone that has jumped around from like different Zelda games out of order it's a real stark reminder to what makes this franchise great which is like charm well thought out puzzles and I think getting a lot of juice out of singular tools because like getting that wind thing like I'm like, oh, this is, I'm just vacuum cleaning everything. Mm, and it's mm. awesome. Um, it's and the only Mansion. thing I don't like yeah. about the game is that I can't swap my second item yes. easily. You got to go to the menu. Like, yeah. come on now. It's, let's put it's, something over that. Like, it's just even a little awakening to swap them would be nice. Totally. They, they, they Every time you need a farm, yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, Kyle, I just wanted, real quick, the Kinstone thing. I really mm-hmm. like that system just because it like gives you sort of an interaction with nearly every secondary character in the game. Mm. Um, it's really satisfying to collect those. I hit a point where I only had like four left because Tingle will actually tell you how many are left in the game. And at that point, it was definitely like I can't, I can't find four people. And even googling it isn't helping because it's like I can find a list of all 150 or whatever, but it's like right. I don't know how many of these I've gotten, but. Even even with that little annoyance, which is mainly just me not being able to 100% it, um, I really like that system. I think it's cool yeah. just to have an excuse to like meet and interact with every character in the game in some way. Kyle, final question about Minish Cap. Um, mm-hmm. In Zelda games, do you have to collect four pieces of the heart to get a new chunk of the heart because there are four chambers in a real heart? Uh, no, I, I think it's just a mechanic. It's just a mechanic, Jeff. I told you. I, told, I, think, I think it's because yeah, the royal hearts them. have four of them. Honestly. I see. I see. There's, I got uh, them. They're all purple. One of them has, you have to get six, I think. Am I misremembering? I don't know. I feel like there's one where you have to get more than four. That's Maybe a I'm real wrong. twist. Uh, all right. Minish Cap, everybody. It's on Nintendo Switch Online. If you want to play it on a uh, beautiful system. Great yeah. handheld thingy. Um, let's see. Pokemon Presents uh, had a... It was called the Pokemon Presents on Pokemon Day on Monday. Um, I streamed a reaction uh, to it with Haley McLean, MinMax's community manager. It was sweet of her to jump in, and she, she's like into like competitive Pokemon and stuff. Like we all like Pokemon, but she's at that another stratosphere of like, okay, I'm, I'm intimidated by this. Um, so I just was quiet the entire stream because I was so intimidated. Um, but it is a, a bit of a dud, a bit of a dud for the overall stream. Um, Jeff, I'm assuming you didn't see any of this nonsense. No, I heard there were sleeping Pokemon though. There's sleeping Pokemon. I, I, I'll definitely get to that. Uh, first of all, new Netflix show called Pokemon Concierge, which is like stop motion Pokemon White Lotus um, seems to be the overall idea. Uh, you're at some tropical resort and it's a, a stop motion Netflix Pokemon show, which is weird. And sure, I'm on board for it. Uh, updates here and there. Uh, and then Pokemon Sleep. Yeah, this was this was maybe the oddest thing because they teased it back in 2019 and it's just been kind of like a punchline of like, hey, when do they get back to Pokemon Sleep? That sounds like a stupid idea. And so they finally had the big unveiling here. And uh, Kyle, what is it according to your recollection? I don't know, man. I would think I was literally asleep during this uh, <laughs> during this presentation. I caught up later. What is wrong? With I you? mean, it's a sleep tracker with a Pokemon theme, right? 
Uh, yeah, and Janet, and you can buy something to to put under your pillow. Yeah, the Pokemon. <sighs> oh God, the something plus plus. Yeah, it's Literally, Pokemon Go. I know I make the joke about PS plus plus. This is real. They yes. called it. It's the, the Pokemon Go plus plus. Uh, yes, and it's okay. like a little Pokemon device that you press when you're going because to sleep. Because she lives inside of it, and then but... you wake up with it. Um, but oh, by and large, it's just Pokemon Sleep. He has an app, and then you put it in your bed and it can detect when you're tossing and turning so the app is a sleep tracking app yes if you use um the one that i use like currently for sleep tracking it's called sleep cycle and it runs similar analytics where it seems like it has you know your time that you go to sleep the sleep waves a little bit and it kind of couches your sleep into three buckets one is like dozing one is something else and one is like slumbering or something like that and they also associate your sleep patterns with different Pokemon. So as right. you sleep, you can like collect Pokemon. It's like, oh, this is you got the like droopy ear sleep last night. And then you get like a Pikachu that has like little droopy ears. So you'd like want that. to sleep differently every night. Isn't that the opposite of the goal? Okay, that's I got I got I got a lot of questions on here. OK, it's so yes, really weird. I wonder if there are, and they mentioned like the more you sleep, like there are some like really rare sleep patterns you can unlock. My confusion is is it all completely, absolutely tied to how my sleep performs? Because if so, like, there's no way I could collect that many. So I imagine there's some right. element of randomization. Like, if you think of, if you're familiar with Pokemon Smile, which is their toothbrushing app. Of course we all use that. It. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've used it. Like, I've used it. Uh, I've awesome. used it. <laughs> it's good. It's like, it does, and if you have kids, it's even better because you're usually teaching them how to, like, brush your teeth, you know? Yeah. Um, there you get a Pokemon by random. So I imagine... There's maybe some associations, but I would imagine there'd have to be some aspect of randomization just to keep it fresh. Right. The app itself needs to be on your nightstand. It doesn't need to be on your bed. But if you use the Pokemon Go Plus Plus device, that is implied that it has to be more on your bed because in the video images, they showed it on your bed as opposed right. to on the nightstand. But you can put just the phone on the nightstand. I don't understand. Did I miss something? How does that work then? How does it know how well you're sleeping if the phone's just on the nightstand? Oh, so like, I mean, a lot of I'm not like a technological expert in this field, but a lot of apps have advanced to the point where they can track your like movements and your breathing and little things to be able to pick up on that data. Again, using what? the sleep cycle example, which is an app that I use back when they first launched it, it had to be on your by your pillow because they didn't advance the technology enough. Now it's on your nightstand, so but it doesn't how? even be in the bed with you. Well, yeah, Microphones, right? It, yeah, like it's it just hearing, to you, Hanson. Yeah, it's hearing how much you're like shuffling around and farting in your sleep and stuff. Yeah, and okay. it's also the technology has advanced to the point where, again, I only have this one example because it's the only app I use um, for sleep where it can even detect at least the one I use. Like if you have a partner like your sleep versus your partner sleep, sleep it, like the one I use can like track like our snores and which snore is mine and which is his and like coughs and sleep. Like Weird. this stuff goes really deep if I you look <laughs> at the software on in the market now. To bring it back to Pokemon Sleep, yeah. what I'm curious about is how in-depth, like as someone that does use a sleep app currently, how in-depth are the analytics going to be? And the number one thing that I don't know yet because they haven't talked about it yet is how does the alarm function? Because my alarm functions as a smart alarm where I pick, well, I have the option for it at least, where I have a 30-minute window where I say I want to wake up at 8.30. It will wake me up between 8 and 8.30 based on when I'm at the lightest point in my sleep. That's kind of cool. It is absolutely the best way I've ever woken up. It is perfect it works better than anything for me personally so if this app has that i will be all in on this but i am worried that it won't have that and will ultimately just be hey do i want to have like a good alarm or do i want to have this cute pokemon thing which right. i'll definitely try it regardless when it comes out but that's my number one fingers crossed for the application so far um and the pokemon go plus plus thing the cute thing is 
you can hit the button there to start the sleep alarm and right. hit it when you wake up. And it sounds like Pikachu. Um, and like Pikachu's inside of it is like the joke. And it's uh-huh. like, Pika Pika. And then, you know, you like go to sleep and they're like, it's like you're sleeping next to a Pikachu. My other question, though, is will it have like what kind of sleep integration support will it have because i have like ocean sounds that i can run on my app well they have that they say pikachu can sing you lullabies but i don't want that because no. i that's scary anyway that's my sleep rant i know a lot on so, this and i've been watching this for a long time janet so you you can still have like sound going you know like a sleep sound and it still record it still knows how you're sleeping yeah, for my what? app that I use, which again is Sleep Cycle. I have the pro version. I'm grandfathered Jesus. in because I bought it like a long time ago. Now it's like a monthly, I think. But and again, that's not the only app like that on the market. It's just the app that I use. But yeah, it can have the sleep sounds on there. I can even have like mine goes really deep where you can have like people reading you stories or like different like, you know, kind of like in the the vein of if you're familiar with the Headspace app. Headspace also offers a lot of different supports for like meditation or sleep and things. Yeah. Um so I'm wondering how deep will Pokemon Sleep go in that regard? If they right, have the right, smart right. alarm, there's no reason that I can't just hot swap these out. Um, but yeah, I, I was very um, impressed with what I saw in terms really? of it also providing deeper analytics because I was worried it would just be like an alarm, you know, and yeah, it's okay, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Well, they made it clear in the video that, quote, it's a game that makes you look forward to waking up. So Which, thank-, thank God. Cause I really, some, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. Some days I, I could use a reason, you know. Really? And <laughs> this that was the most depressing thing I've ever heard in my life. Like I, I need Pokemon so real, though, to look ben, forward to being you know? alive in the morning. It's not, alive's not doing it enough for me. Jesus it's not, Christ! It's not enough for me to be hyped about it. I gotta have something more, and I All like right. the idea of like giving me a little incentive because I don't get that right now in my current app. <laughs> Breathing on earth is your incentive. Well, I'm going to do that anyway. Why? Okay. Wh- what's to stop another 30 minutes from starting that process? That's okay. the thing. But okay. here it's like also something that I really like doing with Pokemon Smile back when I used it is when I got a Pokemon, me and my boyfriend would play like 20 questions on could he guess what Pokemon I got? That's fun. So That's fun. I'm hoping Pokemon Sleep can reintroduce some of that because I stopped using the Smile app. Just Jesus. I just felt like not using it anymore. But. Uh, Janet, thank you for having something to say about Pokemon Sleep other than that's a cute weird thing. <laughs> uh, there, I will have a full report when yeah, this drops. No Y'all are welcome to sleep on your own ooh, accord in your ooh. own domicile and I will meet up with y'all after the fact. Look forward to Janet's solo The Deepest Dive on Pokemon Sleep when it releases summer 20- 2023 is going to be you awesome. Guys have to put that on um, a new show plus. Oh, like, I'm like, just knocked out. Pokemon Sleep, and it's just like a stream of you guys like laying down and trying to sleep. That sounds so I mean, honestly, uncomfortable. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to sleep live on camera, but I can sleep almost anywhere at any time. <laughs> I'm drinking coffee right now. I swear like, you give me $100, right. I could fall asleep in the next 30 minutes. Janet, Easy. Janet, I will give you $100 if you sleep in the next 30 minutes. Are you serious? Yeah, we're just going to be talking about like Scars Above and crap you haven't played before. <laughs> I mean, you'll miss the Horizon Forbidden West conversation. No, but. she has to be here for Horizon. Okay, community questions. Community questions. Try and fall asleep. Um, okay. <laughs> and then also, they announced DLC for Pokemon uh, Scarlet and Violet, which I wanted to get excited about, but uh, it didn't really. The, the trailer. See, I should no ask for two hundred dollars. Always ask for more, y'all. Learn that from watching yep. this. Yep. I could have yeah, easily gotten two two fifty out of it. Oh ben. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Should have been a Patreon goal. Yeah. So Pokemon Scarlet about uh, the hidden treasure of Area Zero, and it's like two phases. Part one is the teal we mask. Part two. Oh, <laughs> good night, Jeff. He's so excited uh, about the DLC. He's spinning. I'm going to bed. See you guys. Good night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, part two is the audio the- listener. Uh, Jeff's camera fell over. It was very funny. It was very good. I kicked the cord.
Yeah, you know what? We're Best. we're okay. The Scarlet and Violet DLC. You're going to the past and you're going to the future, which is kind of cool. It's coming out fall 2023, winter 2023. But the trailer didn't really get me hyped. Uh, which Kyle, do you um typically do the DLC on Pokemon games? Because I know you were really hot on like the mainline game. Uh, no, no. I guess well, because like Sword Shield was the first one to get DLC, right? Yeah. Because everything up to that point, everything yeah. else had been a re-release with added mm-hmm. content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I did not play the Sword and Shield deals. I never. I, I played more of the Scarlet and Violet than I did Sword and Shield ultimately. Yeah, and Sword and Shield's DLC was kind of funky. It was like that one that's kind of. It was them taking the first steps into the open world, and I was like, okay, we kind of see where you're going here, and then it kind of paid off. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see how that goes. Of course, the internet's a buzz because there was a leak that correctly predicted a lot of this stuff, and it also said, by the way. Then the second piece of DLC is going to time up with the launch of the new Switch hardware in 2023. Mm. And and our Lord and Savior Jeff Grubb over there at Giant Bomb is also saying, like, I've heard rumors of rumors that the Nintendo Switch Pro might be real again. So I'm we so can't. tired. We can't of do the it. Switch we Pro. cannot do it. We're not going to take the bait. If it comes out, honestly, that's if great. It's like if it's not coming with Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Like, honestly, yes. like, what what better avenue would they like? They would delay Tears of the Kingdom to launch with that. If yes, it was like, I would think I mean? so. Like, I would like, hope so, at least. But you know what, Kyle? That would be the logical thing to do. And Nintendo. I mean, is this is like I'm just trying to predict a prediction from a couple episodes ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's very important. Oh, God. I can't wait to watch Kyle eat his butt on air. That's going to be amazing. Uh, okay. There's a game. There's a game attempt, called Attempt to Eat His Butt. On no, air. no. That wasn't part of the bet, buddy. <laughs> Uh, there is this game. Do or do not. <laughs> there is no try. There is no attempt. Uh, there's a game called Scars Above uh, that is out now. I know review embargoes are Ooh. up. Let me see when this thing yeah, is actually out. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, but uh, Look, February 28th. Out, oh, it's out. It's out, baby. Um, there you go. This is a game that is. It's from a developer called Madhead Games. Really out of the blue for me. Booted it up on Steam and played it. And the premise is sci-fi, third person, a little Tomb Raider 2013, a little Soulsborne inspiration in there as well. Feels a little Returnal, but maybe all yeah, of those returnal connections. vibes. Returnal mechanics. Yes, yeah. but not a roguelike. And I started playing it and I was like, this feels very Kyle-y. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that you played this. Uh, Kyle, what did you think of Scars Above? I liked what I played. It, really? It's okay. funny to go into it because you were like, have you played Scars Above? And I was like, I haven't touched it yet. Yes. And you, and you just said, I think you should check it out. And like when you get a recommendation like that, you go into it and you're like, what is it that they yes. think that I will like about this? You know? Yes. And um, it was the Returnal vibes, I think, that was like, <laughs> that I was like, this must yeah. be what he's. But it, it feels like a very like, you know, uh, serious. I don't mean serious. Like, just like. I, like the word mature feels right, but I'm not. But when you say mature in video games, it sounds like you mean like Final Fantasy 16, right? But it's just like adults on a space station, you know. And it's kind of like it's like you know is what I what I took from it. And it it seems cool so far. Yeah, it's like a third person action game where you're on an alien planet, and it's like the production value is is indie. It, it, you know, it's, it's you know what I it, so Prime Matter published it. And I don't think they're publisher, but they have some connections to Kingdom Come Deliverance. And I was like, that makes sense. Mm, Like, it has a little bit of that jank feel. It feels like team punching a little bit above their weight, but would have been a pretty cool AAA game in, like, 2014. You know? 
It's it's an odd one to try and play. I I'm in a weird spot with Scars Above where I'm like, I don't think it's a good game, but I really liked playing like an hour and a half of it. You know what I mean? It's like there's I think there's just something comforting as Easy Allies would put it, like swimming in sevens. It just feels like it's yeah, I think that's fair. There's there's something appealing about it, and it feels almost like a throwback experience in a world where we're all kind of horrified by Suicide Squad's battle pass. It's like something that feels kind of like a sci-fi Tomb Raider 2013 experience. Like I'm kind of into it. Like if it had released on the Xbox 360, we'd really have a lot of fond memories of right. this. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like a just I, I liked what I played. You're scanning things, so it's like a little little bit of metroid uh prime in there you know right. you're on a weird alien planet scanning things and um uh, we should point out before jeff says a word um cool. i don't want him to open his fat lips but <laughs> <laughs> <What? Fat laughs> we should point out like uh some 41 this reference. game it's like it tickled me at the same time like reviews have not been kind people are like this thing sucks so I mean, like it has not... a good first impression because like i think you and i've probably only played like an hour right or janky yeah. but like huh captivating yeah. first impression that it goes downhill from there but all right jeff i'm here we go the floor is yours all right well none of you said dark souls um i so said souls born i said souls born did you yeah, did you check the tape yeah. check the tape yeah i i mean that's like the the core format of right how you're kind of exploring the world it i i think it is you you, you guys are right it's a testament to kind of like kind of how the how the base development tools of Unreal Engine and stuff have allowed smaller indies to make games that yes punch above their weight. The, yeah. the idea that like that like this has me excited for where indie games will be in you know another ten years or so. Like how 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 well can you compete with larger games? Yeah. Because it's I mean. I don't think it is competing with with any Soulsborne game, or you know, there's obviously some Dead Space feeling and Returnal kind of all all of all of the kind of themes and games that it's pulling from. I think it's it's doing a worse job, unfortunately. And right. I think that's where a lot of the criticism is coming. It, it does feel derivative, and it's like if I want to play one of these games, why don't why why would I choose this and not the the better thing that it's kind of aping. Um, right, right. But it's, but it is, but it, but it makes me want to see what, what this, what this indie developer does next. You know, right. it's, it's like a, it's, it's like a, it's a good, it's a good step towards something, towards something larger and kind of like, it, it just doesn't have the polish. It doesn't have, it doesn't have kind of the level design. I don't, I don't super love. I, I think the shooting is actually, pretty good yeah it feels pretty good but it's but it's just it it feels like an indie game of like we want you know like we want to make our dream game we want to make a game that was inspired by these things so it's it's got to have you know the souls born mechanism it's got to have a skill tree which i'm sorry but that skill tree is the most boring (laughs) skill tree i've seen like there are tears to it and and the thing that like really encapsulated my feelings of this game last night was I, I looked through all the I looked through all the abilities. They're all boring. When you get to the top, you, you kind of have two branches of this skill tree. And the top the top two, you know, they're in a tier of their own. On each side, there's only one like ultimate ability that you get. And on one side, it's enemies do 15% less damage to you. 
And on the other side, it's you do 15% more damage to enemies. Sounds so great. Like, <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> That's rough. This skill tree doesn't have to exist. Right. And it's, it's, so it's like, they've kind of, they've kind of pared down a larger experience. I feel like you probably could have pared down even more. And like, if you're an indie team, like it's great that they're swinging for the fences, but I feel like maybe consolidate things a little bit more, focus on maybe one or two interesting mechanisms and yeah. and go from there. But it, but yeah, but the the flip side of that is like I was I wasn't super into the gameplay and I I kind of, you know, I can see all the criticism there, but it's like yeah, but if an indie if an indie team can take an, the Unreal Engine and make something that is this good, you yeah. know, like that that's a good sign for the future, I think. Yeah. There's something just weirdly comforting about like jumping into this game and yeah, it is. You've seen a lot of these beats before, not too long ago in a bunch of different games and experiences and stuff, but just like, it, it's kind of comforting for like, oh, okay, woman lands on strange, mysterious sci-fi planet. She touch, touches an alien artifact and has a vision that she can't quite comprehend. It's like the most cliche sci-fi stuff. It's like, yeah. if you're in the right mood, it's like, yeah, you know what? I, yeah. I do need to ask Kyle to play this because this might scratch <laughs> an itch for like And I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for sci-fi to begin with. Yeah. And so, like, all that stuff was working on me more than it probably should have. Right. Um, Even if you, but have, it, but you it's, feel like you know exactly where it's going to go. Of like, okay, we're on a strange yeah. alien planet. Why are there pieces of the ship here? But they're covered in moss like they've been here a long time. It's like, okay, I, mm-hmm. I got it, got it, got it. But yeah, Scars Above, it's on uh, yeah, it's They on also last get together well. at the end of Romantic Comedies, Hanson. I don't want to ruin that Come genre on now. <laughs> you could never ruin this genre for me. That's right. Oh, <laughs> wait, Janet's awake. Oh, you didn't fall asleep. So that means you owe me $100, Janet, I think is... Uh, That's not how that works. You I know what? Think... Uh, the check's in the mail. Okay. <laughs> Oops, All right, I'm looking forward to sign it. Oh, what? This <laughs> is dastardly. Um, the okay. old way, sign I... the check. Buys you a couple, couple extra weeks. <laughs> One other thing about Scars Above, yeah. uh, it does, I couldn't get it to work on Steam Deck. I don't know why. It just oh, yeah. starts. I couldn't get past the start screen, which was a bummer because I'd like to play it there. So Not maybe optimized. They'll, maybe they'll update it. But yeah, it's, it's weird that it's also on last gen and stuff. And you know, if you see it in motion, you might understand that. Like feeling it, it's like a little clunky. Okay, you know what? Scars Above. Hey, I'm glad they released it. It's a weird thing. Um, Horizon Forbidden West. Legend tells us of this game that Janet had to climb up the mountain. She took the call of the mountain to try and trudge this game to the top of the two tens, and oh how she fell! Oh how she rolled down the hill! No, it, it got it got it was up there. It, you did a good job, Janet. Um, but now, Jeff, you went back and finished it, or where are you at for Forbidden West? Yeah, my wow, my wife was on a real open world kick. I can't I can't take credit for it. Um, it was mostly my wife. She beat near O Tomato. Near a tomato, um, yep. yep. Uh, and then she was like, what other open world action games are there that I can play on the Switch? And I was like, just give just give it up. You've played them on, <laughs> you've played everything wow. you can on the Switch. Yeah. Just try, just try an actual console game already. Uh, and so she played. Oh, an actual console. Brutal review of the Switch. It comes <laughs> out now. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean it like that. Apologies. I love my Switch. We we you, get a ton nope. of you, we know how you feel, this, buddy. This high freak show that's on yeah. its way well, out the door. Do, I understand. Do you guys play on the TV at all, or is it all handheld? Just as I have, ride? I have never docked that thing to my television. What? So okay, now you're just being nope. like petty, though. You're like those no, people who I, are like, oh, I've never had pizza. Just eat it. <laughs> no, it, I mean honestly, it's it's part of like. I got it from the community as a gift when we had our baby. And right. so I've only had it at the same time as having a baby. And it's just, 
it is so convenient. Like, do I want to hook it up to a TV and play it and have that be the thing going on in the living room while my kids run around? Or do I just want to play it right here? And right. It's, How do you charge it, it then? Instantly. Do you just put it to USB, any USB-C, like an iPad, basically? Um, I I use the actual charger, but because the charger is not hooked up to the dock because the dock is okay. in a box somewhere that I've never... So you're just using so the just, AC, like, USB-C charger, and yep. that's just it. Like, yep. the dock is just somewhere else. Okay. I'm sorry yep. for derailing you. Also, we should be on the same yeah, team, no. team from Midwest, but yeah, I have to, I have to, I have to <laughs> we, pay We have this very valuable little time. Um, <laughs> but, yes, but... And and so I'm sorry I said real console, but for my for my wife she's been very resistant to that. She's like, yeah. oh, I don't I don't want to play a game. The controller it looks confusing to me or whatever. And it's like it's you're using the same control schemes on the Switch anyway. Uh, but so so finally she played Forbidden West or she played um, Zero Dawn. She played through the entirety of Zero Dawn. Wow, wow, a hundred percented that thing. What? And yes. then yes, she went she went crazy and she loved it. <laughs> And, and so then she was like, I want to start Forbidden West. And, and she's like, I don't, you like, when are you going to get back to it? And I was like, we're just going to have to play together because I'm never going to, I'm never, you can't wait for me to try and go back and beat it. And right. so she, she started on it. She played through, you know, like the first 12 hours or whatever that I played. And that, that was the first thing that made me think of poor Janet because there was, there was a part <laughs> like 10 hours into it. Where it was like, it was something that I completely forgot during our discussions and moments and things where I was like, oh, things things are about to get super crazy. I told her, things are going to get crazy. You're not going to like it, but it's going to be exciting. Uh, and and it's it's just like, I've, my my biggest takeaway from playing through the entire thing with her now is that I just feel bad for that game. I feel bad that no one <laughs> right. else cares about this franchise because it is Jeff and your wife. I know. I know. It's, it's honestly one of the best open world series that has been out in the past few years. And it's, and the, and this built on everything that the first game did and just did it much better. And that world is incredible. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, He did it again. (laughs) As opposed to building. You bite your tongue. (laughs) I was taking a, a shot. I'm sorry. Her and Jeffum's wife? Right. Come on, I'm, man. Get her name out of your mouth. Oh, <laughs> he's gone It now. did everything Shout much better. Now yeah. that he's gone. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it, it improved on everything and just no one just no one cared. No one played it, which honestly, I don't blame anyone because like like the my biggest question is why does Sony not like Horizon? It seems like they with? do. Because, what are you what? talking about? <laughs> They're. All in on trying to push this thing. There's the big VR flagship. They're making like six yeah, more games. Is like yeah, too bad. Now. Too bad they always release it like a week before some like massive industry <laughs> uh-huh. shakeup of like, okay, we're going to release the first one right before Breath of the Wild. And then we're going to release the second one right before Elden Ring. It's not just their fault. pick a window, man. Just, <laughs> just delay it for three months when there's like a complete dead zone that no one has anything to play. That does not exist. It then. I think it still would have been screwed. I don't know what it is about it that... It just, it is the time, the time doesn't help, but I think it's also just something about it. It's an eight people hate while a ghost is an eight people love. And I'm like, bro, these are like the same caliber. Well, again, I prefer Horizon, frankly, but like they're not 
nearly as different as people act. It's just something right. about it. And I don't meanwhile, know if it's like, just like new IP that people don't like Aloy. I don't know what I, it is, but like I, people don't like it. And Scars Above is a six that we love. So, <laughs> you know, it's just like there's no predicting. No, no I think we all agree not. we love Scars Above and yet we'd give it a six. Um, I'm curious to know, Jeff, um, did you said you played like with your wife? Like what did, what was that setup like? Was it like past the controller? Was it like you take a shift, I jump into the world? Like how'd you guys do that? Yeah, it, it was it was mostly like she enjoys well i don't i don't even know if she enjoys she's she just gets obsessed with the game and she plays a ton of it she would give it to me when she was when there was something that she was tired of trying to do herself right. or you know there was there were some challenges and some things that she just didn't want to do or there were times was where was it the melee combat cuz those pits were rough you know or the rest yeah and and she actually she actually super likes Kyle, you should you shouldn't no, even no, be this talking. This is what about. he wants. This is what the, he wants. The combat Kyle's of Horizon is the best. <laughs> it's the best open world combat other than Elden Ring um, hmm. of of any game. That's why I like it so much better than Breath of the Wild because Breath Ooh. of the Wild Ooh. is ha, so ha, ha. The, no. You went once you far. <laughs> yeah. Pick your no, spot. Cut his mic. Cut his mic. And my my wife absolutely loved Breath of the Wild. It was her favorite game until she played the Horizon games. And like she she still loves Breath of the Wild. But even she was like, the world is so much more interesting. Right. The way that the lore is tied into it is so much more interesting. It looks so much better. And the combat it is look really so good. much more varied. And the upgrades are so much better. It's like, and just nobody cares. And I the don't get it. The combat is so phenomenal in that game. Like, obviously it's... It is, inherently you know fairly straightforward in that like it's elements and like the ice and the fire you know it's not too hard to grasp but there's so much fun and depth to be had and i think the slowdown just totally nails the fun of precision aiming and setting up traps like it's just such a cool like almost like a low-key monster hunter structure to it like mm -hmm. i love just scanning you got, it's got scanning kyle so i don't know why you're out here taking shots because <laughs> you can scan a lot of things all right, Horizon Forbidden West. Um, but yeah, I, I freaking adore that combat. And yeah, e even above like the elemental stuff, like figuring out like the way that the enemies are built, you know, the fact that they're all machines, they have these different components. You have to figure out which armor to take off to get to weak points. Like all that is so interesting. And the the difference of dif of like all the different weapons and how they play, you have like the disc shooting one in this one where you mm -hmm. throw it out and it boomerangs back, but you have to actually catch it. And then if you do catch it and you throw it, it does even more damage. Like they've added a ton of different upgrade paths and all of your weapons can be upgraded and you can put in different mods that add all these different things. Like there's a ton of complexity there and the story's really good. Like, and, and I think one of the, one of the things that we we're talking about of like why this game just falls flat for people is I think the character design is is so overblown that it is just kind of absurd. Like if you look at pictures of some of the characters, it's like, how am I supposed to take you seriously with that thing on your head? Like, like the, the character design looks ridiculous, but the characters themselves are really interesting. And this, this game has like a great, there's like a great team up element to it where you're like, you're building this big team to take on right. the bad guys. It's I, mass effect I the, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, uh, it does so much good stuff with sci-fi. Like it is a really meaty yeah. sci-fi game. A lot of heady sci-fi concepts. Like they they doubled down on it. Like they answered all of the questions in the first game, which was one of the things that was so impressive about it. Like you're building out this huge lore, but then they managed to just double that and like 
introduce all this new like backstory lore of like what was really going on and they answer all that really satisfying like it's just top notch here's my one simple rebuttal your wife got you into this you would have let that sit for the rest of time and never go back to it you fell off of it and there's a reason you fell off of it uh, the reason I fell off of it is because f***ing Elden Ring came out. Hanson, I played 100 <laughs> hours of Elden Ring. Yeah, but you, you finished <laughs> it. You could have gone back at any point, and you didn't. I have I not finished I Elden Ring, and first. I still have to go back to Elden Ring. I think we all have amazing games that we have tabled and just not finished for the sake of the moment yeah. passing. So I, I don't I, actually think that's a valid I think it is valid because unless there's you're a, like a perfect gamer who's always oh, yes. out here finishing. Then I guess, I guess... Red Dead Redemption 2 also sucks because I haven't gone back to it, See, Hansen. I would there are amazing I games. I like Red Dead 2 because that thing is slow as hell and it's so well, boring closing the drawers. But I'm just saying there's... Let's I, focus there's, on what we agree with there's, here, No, yeah, no, no. It, there's great games you know, in I the past. I bounced off of Elden Ring, Ben, so I don't know why it's our top game when I bounce off We can off undo it. it. We can undo it. I, I bounced off of Breath of the Wild 2. Like, this... Right. There's your, no your doubt. argument has no weight. I'm saying you're doing it all wrong. I'm just saying there's a notch where a quality of a game, if it's speaking to you personally, would be like, no matter what, I need to go back and finish this. And I feel like a lot of these games aren't and crossing that. Not that game, so that's fine. It's that's fine. No, that's fine. I, I'm just, but he's not. He's like not ben, going to the like, mat for Elden Ring. Right he's going over the mat for went, Forbidden West. When I went back to Forbidden West, I realized that the game was speaking to me in a way that right. it, it is. To to be fair, I think, I think the. The beginning of that game does it a bit of a disservice. I think it is a slow start, although I did yes. get to a point where there was some interesting stuff going on. But I do think it's a little slow at the beginning. I think there are there are game systems that it doesn't properly like clue you into. Like it it tries to, but there were there were entire things where it's like we unlocked a like a what turned out to be a super cool weapon skill, and and we. We sat there for like five minutes, like trying to figure out why isn't it working? And it turns out we hadn't even equipped it. Like there's there's some clunkiness to the systems in that game that aren't properly explained. And then and like and you you just can't do that nowadays. Like there sure. there are so many good games that you can't have a you can't have a slow opening 10 hours or you can't have systems like like when I when I played third, you know, I played like 15 hours or whatever. And then. My wife and I, like, we eventually locked this ability that lets you shoot these explosive arrows and they do a, do a ton of damage. And it's like, this is the rest of the game for me. Like, this yeah. kicks ass. And just the fact that I had, I could play 15 hours of that and never be exposed to it the first time around. And then when we were exposed to it, like, we had so much time just equipping it and figuring out how to how to use it. Like, you cannot do that. You're going to lose people. And I And I feel like... Like that is this that is ultimately the story of the series is is continually losing people along the way or just having like bad launch windows and all these other things that don't get people into it and it's it's really unfortunate but we're looking forward to the DLC. So. It's gonna be sweet. Uh, the um it, it is interesting to think of like just kind of the you know it's tough to make a pattern out of just two examples but now it is a little bit like a third example of the call of the mountain. It's kind of like their third release on the Horizon universe. It's like, well, yeah, but I'm not going to pay 600 bucks for it if we're playing the VR version of it. You know, so even that's going to be dinged. It's like, is Horizon not that big of a franchise? Or is it just that uh, PSVR in general is going to be a, a big bite for too many consumers, you know? So it might get dinged a third yeah. time. No, yeah, the, the VR thing isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. It's, I saw that they just, they're adding it to PS Plus. Yeah. Which, you know... Yeah, we got a we got a question is, about that in community 
questions and stuff. We can unpack it there. But yeah, so a lot more people. Anyway, this can got play a lot it. more hostile than I was expecting. I will God say this is the it. only franchise that like has pushback on even talking about it. Like I don't know. Maybe maybe if you want to see the problem, some people just need to like look in the mirror. I don't know. This is a thought. Look, I I think it's I think it's a solid game. I just. I, I you also, wouldn't know it based on how you reacted. I know. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm also lightly curious to go back, but I was just a little... I ran out of steam. In, in and I finished playthrough. it, to be clear. Right. Yeah, sure that's right. I, right. Didn't, <laughs> I didn't drop off. Right, of it. I right, did right. finish it. I saw all that lore you're talking about in the last hour of the game. <laughs> oh, Kyle! <laughs> Were you not picking up all the stuff the entire way through of, like... All the notes and all the audio stuff that was actually building a lore out that was much more interesting. Like, I'm not a person who stops and reads, you know, codex paragraphs or listens to those audios in most open world games anymore. But, like, yeah. it has an interesting lore. I'm sorry yeah. that the lore does not work for you, Kyle. I'm glad you like it. Do you accept his apology, Kyle? I do. Great. Thank you. Hey, uh, it was a fake apology. I'm it was. Not, oh, this is a very, like, I have like, nothing to apologize for. Uh, hey, Janet, do you know how this whole thing operates? Yeah, I think um, spicy spirited debates about nothing. God bless it. I love <laughs> when Jeff, you told me you're going to fall asleep in this episode. You did the opposite. It's the first time you've truly woken up and seen the world as it is. <laughs> Well, the, I mean, the Pokemon thing was over. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, hey, no, it's Patreon, everybody. We exist. This podcast exists because people just like you go to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends and find the tier that's right for them. It is the start of a whole new month, which means it's a great time to jump in there and find a benefit. I mean, there are higher benefits if you want to be a, a bold Susan, if that's a phrase. Um, but you can still jump in and choose any game to become the game champion of. We'll declare you the game champion. It'll be the description of every Mimnax video that you're the champion. And we'll declare it on this podcast. And then also you can join the Wall of Heroes tier, which I feel like a hack for talking about the Wall of Heroes tier too much. But it's like, I genuinely think it's wild and like a great opportunity for people because I've seen the numbers. Uh, but you can jump in at the $100 tier and you can put any image you want on every MinMax video. And it rotates through every MinMax video. So for $100, you can promote whatever you want. And it's seen literally millions and millions of times. Like if I add up all the views across all these videos. So for $100, millions of impressions, that's a good deal if you're looking to get eyeballs on something like a cute pet or your small business or your podcast, your Twitch channel, whatever the hell you want within reason um also thank you to some of our biggest supporters people like i8bit they want everybody to know about the pathless kyle a game that you enjoyed quite a bit and i made i bit they want you to know um that they have a nintendo switch exclusive edition that you can pre-order at this point it is a physical edition of the pathless for nintendo switch comes with a huge fold-out poster. I'd argue it's like 17 inches by 23 inches. It also has a reversible cover sheet, collectible art cards, exclusive artwork by Emmy winner Elaine Lee. Uh, so you can go to IM8Bit's wonderful online store and pre-order The Pathless, the IM8Bit exclusive edition with all those hot exclusives. And you should just go check out their store in general because IM8Bit's one of, the, one of the coolest gaming stores on the internet. And because they are great supporters of ours, you can use the promo code, and it's, it's new now, everybody, promo code Shamrock Shake. 
no space. Shamrock Shake for 10% off everything in their store that is under $100. Hell of a deal, help support them because they are wonderful and IM8Bit supports us in a big way and our community by shipping out a prize each and every week to whoever has the best question submitted over on Patreon. Support us any tier on Patreon, you can submit a question. Then we choose our absolute favorite. We're all very confident about it. And then they win a prize. And this week, the best question wins the FTL soundtrack, double vinyl soundtrack, the 10th anniversary edition of the Faster Than Light FTL soundtrack. A great soundtrack. So thanks to iMapit for shipping that out. So look live, everybody. Oh, great. Here's, here we go. Let's cover some new territory. Tom Blackburn writes in and says, what could the strategy be for putting Horizon Forbidden <laughs> West on the premium tier of PlayStation Plus Plus Plus? That game is basically a year old, has gone on sale for $30, and could disappear from the roster at any time. What is the point of doing this when they know they'll be compared to Game Pass? Do you value the IP to showcase it when there aren't any other Sony first-party games near release? Why'd they do that? Says Tom. I mean, there's a lot of people that come into stuff late. That's one thing, you know, I think often it's natural for us to reflect on like, oh, why would I? I've This is old. But, you know, for my family who just got a PS5 this year, like they're like, oh, this is perfect because we didn't have Forbidden West and they're also playing like Zero Dawn right now. So there's one, those people. Two, I think it helps to have some form of cadence of um, first party games coming to those platforms. Yeah. Even if it's not going to be a Zan date. And three, they got that DLC coming out, baby, and they want That's people to play it. it. That's exactly so what it is. So obviously they're like, hey. Would you like some DLC with your free game? Would you like to play remake with HBO show? Like it's all marketing, baby. And it, you know, it's trying to get more eyes and, uh, you know, more people playing it. Yeah, it is weird, though. I get the point of like, OK, we're kind of inching towards that Game Pass territory because like it's it is pretty damn close for a big game like this to be thrown in there. But I mean, I'm not going to complain if you have that service. That seems like a, a sweet thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that was that was certainly an after the fact kind of decision of of like, yeah, they certainly weren't going to do it at release date. And if it had sold, you know, like super gangbusters, I don't think they'd be doing it now either. Yeah. I think it, it falls in that window of like, you know, they, they said that Horizon Z- or uh, Zero Dawn sold like 20 million copies or something. I'm sure this is so much under that that now they just want people to play it and mm-hmm. get, and hopefully pay for the DLC. And it does kind of, I think it, it gives those other services some some extra buzz of like well if we didn't if we didn't hit payday when we first released the game then maybe it can be a value add to you know the different tiers of PlayStation Plus and yeah and sell some DLC but yeah uh, Brandon Lovesy writes and says, Hey, friends, with the tease of Elden Ring DLC this week, that's right, a Shadow of the Erd Tree, everybody. It's, you'd think that Keeley would be scrambling for that. It's weird they just kind of tweeted it out, but whatever. Um, yeah, they also phrased it as we're beginning development. As yeah. Really? To like, yeah, yeah, I think so. The hell? That's really weird. It's very strange. Uh, so I, well, that's a question. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, but they say, um, with the tease of Elden Ring DLC this week and Horizon Burning Shores about a month away, how often does DLC bring you back to a game? What does it need to do to suck you in? Do you feel, do you feel the need to replay the base game before starting the new content? All that good stuff. I thought they were going to ask, will the DLC for Elden Ring overshadow the DLC for Burning Shores? Oh, God. Shores? That would be so funny. Oh, and they drop it the same uh, time. Uh, I mean, for me, it's like, if it's my, it has to be like top tier favorite. Right? Yeah. Same. Like, if it was like my favorite game of that year, I will dip into story DLC. Story DLC. Like I'm excited yeah. for Elden Ring, and I was thinking back to other DLC I've like been excited for. It was like all the Breath of the Wild DLC I was really excited for. 
uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, right. which was like a huge favorite of mine the year it came out. I was really excited for that DLC. I remember, but if it's like it's if it if it was just a game that, that was like eh, I liked it, I it's it's pretty rare for me to sort of get excited about the DLC. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I'm trying to figure out when I'm I'm pretty rarely excited for DLC. Like um, even Nobody Saves the World, a game I love. Like they added so much to that game, and I was like. I, I think I'm okay. I had a great time with that experience. I don't know if I want to crack open those systems again. Um, but then on the flip side, something like um, Return to Castlevania with um, Dead Cells. It's like, well, I did like Dead Cells years ago when that came out. And I've kind of been hankering for a reason to go back. And I, I've never really been a Castlevania guy, but maybe we'll talk about that DLC next week. Um, and maybe the trailers make it look pretty cool. And so that's one that's like, oh, I'm actually excited to go back because of this DLC. So I guess if it's just... The story stuff, though, I don't know. Yeah, it has to be like Mass Effect level for me to really care so much about the story that I'm hankering for. Because even like Mario and Rabbids, a game that also I really love from last year, like the DLC, it's like, hey, it's a tower and it's a challenging combat tower. It's like, I don't care at all. The Rayman stuff down the road, I do want to play as Rayman in that game. So maybe that'll get me. So Mm -hmm. I just feel all over the map for DLC. Yeah, usually the only time I care about DLC is if I hadn't played it in the first place, and then it's like, well, I gotta get the ultimate version that has right. all the DLC, and then being mm. able to play through it, you know, when you're actually playing it for the first time. My wife did like the Frozen North or whatever when she played <laughs> through Horizon. Frozen yeah. Wilds, I um, think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The names are not good. Yeah. But, it's not more but problems. otherwise, yeah that that's not the kind of thing I would normally. I mean, I've reviewed Frozen Wilds at GI, so that was one case where I went back and played it. But otherwise, right. I I rarely would go back to a game for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much the same as Kyle. You know, it's like it's got to hmm. be I got to be really into it. And I'll add in where I differentiate from Kyle is I might still not even play it, even if it is a favorite <laughs> game. It's right. just so like tough going back into stuff. Um, even now, like I'm working on the. Uh, Miles Morales Platinum and I started playing oh, wow. yesterday and I was like whoa don't know how to do anything I mean I could swing because that's so intuitive chat to the design there but like I couldn't do a lot of basic stuff um, so it's tough getting back in um, I usually I don't replay the game because the games are usually kind of lengthy that I get DLC stuff like that but Burning Shores I will hit up because I do love Horizon so I'll be there for Burning Shores but other than that the only other DLC I'll dip into is if it maybe adds to a game that I wouldn't mind going back into. Like I plan to still do escape Academy that had DLC and I right. enjoy those puzzles. Like, you know, playing with Isaiah um, in like Mario Kart because it's like, Oh, a new track. So like, I love the game. I'll dip into this game regularly. Mm. Like DLC will totally bring me back for a game like that. But yeah, it's pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, G max the RN or submits a question over on Patreon. They say game pass has reached the point that as a fan of video games, I felt dumb for not really being able to utilize it. So I bought an Xbox series S as a first-time-ever Xbox owner, what games do I absolutely need to go back and play? I meant to actually look at the list. This is a great question. Oh, me too. I'm like panic Googling are, it to are, get like, everything. Are like Play Dead games on there? Is Inside on there? That was like an Xbox exclusive like initially. They probably played it other places then, right? Probably, And so, yeah. I mean, my instinct is like, well, Halo. But like, you know, we just did the Deepest Dive not too long ago for Halo 1. It's like, you could do that, but... I think a lot of the thrills of Halo 1 you could still get by just jumping into Halo Infinite and like exploring that open-ish world, whatever the hell you want to call Halo Infinite structure. Like, I think you'll kind of get the idea of Halo if you do that and jump into multiplayer. So I'd say Halo Infinite would be a need to play. Yeah. 
Uh, Hollow Knight. Hi-Fi Rush is absolutely. If you didn't play that on PC, absolutely. uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon's on there now. Ooh, yeah. Obviously, it's so dependent on like what your tastes are for games. I mean, I think there quite literally is something for everyone that you probably haven't tried yet on Game Pass because it's so expansive. Like, you know, the Persona games are on there. Um, But here's the thing. I is Hot Wheels Unleashed on there. But this is the first time Xbox owner is what G-Max is saying. You know, like... Okay, so... Again, and I put people because oh, duh, 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 you're like PlayStation fit, whatever. Like I just I talk smack about everybody, so I don't know where that comes from, but that just is what it is. I don't necessarily uh-huh. think, other than Halo, like you mentioned, there's as someone that was that person before, I didn't necessarily feel like there were a lot of experiences that I hadn't had that were very specific to like exclusive stuff on Xbox. Well, personally, what, what about your Sunset Overdrive? Huh? Sunset Overdrive. Is, I don't think that's on Game Pass, actually, is it? Is it? Is it not? I don't think so. Oh, I don't think it actually is, but I don't know. Publishing rights for that. Oh, God, weird. I'm pretty, yeah. Actually, you know what? It is on Game Pass. At least it was when I, because I did the stream for Sunset Overdrive, and I think that was also on Game Pass. Okay. Because I think that was the whole point. But I don't fully remember, but something like that. But I think there's not, in my opinion, I wouldn't necessarily look at this through the lens of it should be Xbox exclusive just Mm. because they're new to the platform. Because also, I'm guessing you're new because nothing drew you in before. Not in a mean way, but that just might be your situation where you just didn't get around to it. Yeah. Uh, Crowboy. Uh, by the, the way, Sunset Overdrive is on Game Pass. Nice. Yeah. So, okay. uh, yeah, Crowboy watching us live at the Backstage Past here. They say Forza Horizon 5. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. that's a good one. That's a great one. So damn good. Uh, Dan Villone writes in and says, am I crazy? My lovely wife bought me a PSVR 2 as an early birthday present, and I had never played a VR game until now. Thanks to Kyle's Pistol Whip recommendation from 2019, this was the first game I played. How is it possible that I've gone years and years without understanding how amazing VR is? <laughs> you know what? I like hearing this, because we're yeah, all cynical great. jerks about PSVR too, but it's like, yeah, if you've never played VR, you put it on your damn head for the first time, it's trippy. It's a weird, wild thing you should experience. I mean, maybe the conversation around it, we should have tempered it in this way, where it's like, PlayStation VR 2, like, is a good VR headset. Like right. If you're if you're new to it, it is great for that. And the library is pretty full of good stuff that has already released. So like for me, yeah, I look at them like, well, yeah, Pistol Whip's on here. Great, I've already played that. But if you've never played VR and you jump in and now you have Pistol Whip and Tetris Effect and Res and Beat Saber at some point soon, um, like, yeah, that would be really exciting grab a thumper too uh thumper is another really good vr rhythm. oh i'm scared of that one of vr um, i don't like thumper it's too intense for me but it definitely has yeah. um a hardcore audience yeah i mean i think there's you know different appeal points for different people i think for me for what it is and how much it is and many other factors it doesn't quite even out for me um you know like i have a lot of fun in an arcade but i wouldn't buy all those arcade machines is kind of where i land with vr right. um two and vr in general um see i can drag playstation as well people know i didn't, wasn't fond enough on the headset over there either but um yeah i mean i think there definitely are great experiences to be had and what's nice about you already being in it and also like getting it as a gift it's like great you don't have to worry about any of that should i shouldn't i you're here now and now it, it's time to just enjoy and that's really where i am with psvr 2 as well like it's not at a point where i'm I really recommend it that highly in the space of VR. But now that I'm here, like, obviously, of course, we want to do well. Like, we already have the stuff and we want good games, you know, play uh, play with the bat because I pop really hard for that game. It is good. And it's getting an update where it no longer will require room scaling, a.k.a. it won't require nearly as much space as it used to. So that is like my number one for VR. But definitely there's 
the people that are into it are into it kind of like other um niche or failed items like Vita and stuff. People that get into it are really into it, though, and there is really cool, dedicated coverage. So that is the fun part of being in the VR community, of checking out those, you know, Upload VR and other outlets or creators that center their whole content around optimizing and getting the most out of uh, what is still very much emerging hardware in a lot of perspectives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Will James writes in, it's a dorky question, but that's, uh, you came to the right place, Will. Uh, They say, hey, cohorts, How would you market VR games? As a non-VR gamer myself, it seems like the limitation of all games being inherently in first person makes it hard to pull content for a trailer. All gameplay is first person and there are minimal cutscenes to draw from. When in a showcase like the state of play with five back to back, they just seem to bleed together. How would you improve this? So the, at least for me, the best marketing for VR that always gets me it's like the reason pistol whip caught my attention it's the reason beat saber caught my attention yeah is they show gameplay if you can imagine if i can like visualize it is like watching a person play in vr and the camera is pulled out behind them right actually see them in the vr space yes and seeing i think it was honestly it was a facebook ad that got pushed to me that that's how the first time i saw beat saber was like someone sort of like uh, visualized existing in the space, not in first person. You see what their body is doing. Yep. And I was like, that looks amazing. Totally. I want to check that out. And I, you know, went and downloaded it right away. So like it's, it takes, <laughs> oh, you know, friend, the developers yeah. like creating a new camera to showcase it from a different perspective. But like, that's the best way to show off VR is showing right. someone inside the space. Yeah, totally. Uh, Dan from Canada has a question for Jeff. Um, Hang on, Jen. Are you what just happened? What? The fruit <laughs> truck it's came the, back. Kyle's I clown my car open. Up. It's the fruit. It's the fruit truck oh, that fruit truck. drives oh, through right. my neighborhood, and they play truck, the cucaracha, yeah. which I feel like <laughs> I don't know. It's like the cucaracha is fine, but I'm like, really? Like this has to play in the background? Is like the only Latin person look, on this channel? It's look, the fifth guest for MinMax at this point. I would know? I would say the cucaracha. That's top hundred songs of all time material. It's either that or like a dog that I swear to God is two houses down and who knows, I don't know what that dog is saying, but they need attention right away because they're loud. Yeah, that's like top 300 songs. Dan from Canada says, has a question for Jeff. I don't think I've ever used the phrase, have your cake and eat it too properly. Give me your best example so I can use this phrase properly and seem smart. Um, You're a writer. Um, You... Uh, an example of have your cake and eat it too. Right. You, you, um, wow. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for putting this out. <laughs> yeah, I, Here, I, I got a factoid about that phrase. If you want to, if you want me to vamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That phrase is how they caught, uh, the bomber Kaczynski. What? Really? Because he published a letter where he re- he's, instead of saying you can have your cake and eat it too. He he changed the exact wording. Uh, you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too. Is how Kaczynski wrote it in this like letter that he published. Right. And because of that strange phrasing, his sister in law recognized that it was probably him and turned him in. And she recognized the terrible sketch of him in the hoodie and the big That's sunglasses and stuff. No, but yeah, apparently Kaczynski clicks. always thought that phrase was misused and would right. complain about it all the time to like friends and family. And so when he used it in this like published Funny. manifesto, that's how people tracked him down. 
Well, that's what he it is. He kind of has a point, though. It, it kind of makes sense. Right. Now you're siding <laughs> with the say you can't have your cake and eat it, too. First right. you defend Forbidden West. Now you're siding with the Unabomber. Jeff, I can't keep up. I <laughs> want my cake and I want to eat it, too. What yeah. do you want? The, um, the thumbnail really creates itself in this episode. <laughs> Just the <laughs> Unabomber? Might not well, let me go get, I got a hoodie over there. I'll put it on. Oh, God. So wait, what was the question? Like, an example of... Having it's not important. Cake. Dan, the point is you have to become the Unabomber if you want to use that pitch very properly. Uh, Villas... Like playing a save... Okay. It's, they get it. Villas <laughs> writes one. in, and Villas writes in, and they say, <laughs> I came onto a stream on Twitch for the last two hours or so of A Space for the Unbound, um, and I was absolutely blown away. Is it worth playing through if I now know how it ends? Is the whole game fun, or am I playing to reach the super beautiful, intense ending? Okay, so this is yeah, no, no spoilers, spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. No spoilers. Um, we talked about a space for the Unbound when Jill Grote was on a couple weeks ago. Um, just this last weekend, I finished it, and I am livid. I know outlets are busy. Kyle, I know your Game Informer is busy. I am livid. More sites haven't reviewed a space for the Unbound because that game is awesome, and it just gets bigger and wilder as you go throughout until like the finale is surreal trippy there's like some really interesting i don't want to spoil anything there's like some angles to the story that they're expressing at the end and i'm like i've never seen a story told this way it is so wild and genuinely am i gonna cry playing this um you might i i'm because i clipped a, out an innocuous clip from early in the game yeah on the posted on tiktok and people were in the comments like oh this game made me weep and i'm yeah. like what go and i can kind of see like you know it's like a very nostalgic like childhood coming you know at least that's the setup in the beginning i don't know right. where it's gonna go but i'm like some stuff must really go down it from does. the beginning to the end for it to have such like i think an impact on so many people yeah i uh, i've been crying easier and easier in my life recently and this one tears weren't rolling um, whereas mm. if I look at a thumbnail for the Double Fine documentary, I'll cry. But like this one, it's like I really <laughs> loved it. But I, it, was, it was emotional, but not uh, tears streaming. But uh, genuinely, also the part that doesn't get enough love, and it's like one of the big things that really carried carried me through in the beginning stages, at least, was like the the pixel art is. I mean, it's somewhat like the greatest pixel art I've ever seen in my life. And the fact they just get like bigger and bigger and weirder with it later on, like it is just incredible looking yeah so a space for the unbound is this uh is, is this game that needs more love is it basically a visual novel no it's an it's an adventure game more of an adventure but game it's, it's more like, like a yeah it's like an adventure game but with more of a creative action focused lane if that makes sense at least yeah. early on it's very like quest structured right. it is, like, it is uh, largely, you know, something yeah. like get Oh, if only I had um, a bandana and then you walk a little further and it's like, you got bandana. And I'm like, this yep. must be the bandana for the guy back there. It's a lot of that. But it's I am enjoying that. it. That's not to disparage um, what it has going on. I think right. I'm only a, a two hours in or something. And I besides it looking beautiful, it has, I think, a really nice um, examination of aspects of childhood and kind of. I don't. It's, it's very sweet. I think, and it's set yes. up. Um, so I'm excited to continue playing. And there are a lot of cats in that game. It's a lot and of cats. You get to like pet them, and then when you, when you pet the cat, it like names the cat. Yep. And there's a trophy for like petting all the cats. Seems like it has a fun trophy list too. So I'm excited to continue with it. And it Please does seem do. like it goes into twelfth gear at a certain point. Yeah, so. I think it's gonna be one of those that we'll be talking about the two tens in a big way. And as long as people aren't completely caught off guard, like what a space for the unbound? Because yeah, it's it's awesome. And like I'm really uh, not great at following stories and i lose threads easily and I, i'm confused and so for a lot of that game i'm like i don't i'm confused about what is happening in the structure of the story um it it comes together really well it's like oh that's a really cool idea anyways uh catherine uh, with, with minish cap out of the way i'm 
I'm I'm gonna get downloaded. Yeah, you oh, should. I, you should. Nice. Um, I could switch game maybe. Yep, yep. It's on Switch. It's on. I think it's on everything. People corrected us. Um, There's a demo on Switch. I see as well. Oh, right on. That's worth. Uh, Catherine Gilbert writes in and says, "Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi. Hey, hey Kath. Hi. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we did it." Uh, they say, I was wondering, what is the min, parentheses, least favorite thing, and the max, parentheses, favorite thing of these games? <laughs> oh, Kath, what have you done? So now, it's not favorite and second favorite, like how no, we do for the No, it's your worst. least favorite thing the and your most favorite thing. And the first game she throws on the list is Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. Um, okay, here's the uh, least favorite thing of Horizon Zero Dawn is um i think just like the collectible nature i just i don't like those open world games where just you're just grabbing everything and throw it in a big stockpile and your inventory is overflowing with crap that you don't really care about and my max favorite thing is how well that first game wrapped up i feel like you know it's like oh that story it, it kept me compelled throughout it you know it's been a while but min is um inventory management which okay. they fix in the second game and the max is um tall necks Ooh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, I will also say min is inventory management because mm. that was a pain in the butt. Um, Max was everything else. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I got an 875 from Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, do you have thoughts? Do you want an answer too? I don't I can't really. All right, that's fine. You, you <laughs> this is it. hard. Because yeah, yeah. there are things that like, I think it looks great. I could say max visuals. I yeah. do like the story, even though I know it's being... Uh, this is zero done. A, a, a stinker. <laughs> yeah, a little stinker in the last. Segment. I do like the segment. I, the story. I like Aloy a lot. And but the funny thing is, like, I, you guys really love the combat. But like, I actually f- find the, the the combat. I I don't really get into it. But I don't know if that's yeah. enough for a minimum. Sure. You know what you I mean? Say, I think maybe just the fashion. The fashion of Horizon is the minimum. Yeah, I, I do good. not like the way people dress. The, it's the character design is absurd. Yeah. Kyle, are you more of a melee person than a? bow and arrow person i just or a traps find, man and i'm doing it wrong but i always feel like i run through my traps ammo really quick and i'm just like fire 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 okay it's done like and i just like that's how i end up with every fight and, and maybe i'm doing it wrong maybe i'm not engaging enough with the other systems but like it's that thing that's tough where it's like well it's functional i'm getting through these fights but i'm just really leaning and it and the same thing in horizon call the mountain in vr it was like bam 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 mm-hmm. bam i was like all right mm-hmm. i would like the the hp levels are too high or something i don't know yeah i don't want to i don't want to open that wound again <laughs> uh <laughs> catherine also says animal crossing new horizon this one feels easy it's, it's like the internet connection stuff traveling to other people's islands opening the oh, yeah. gates that right. crap sucked but uh and then the best <laughs> part uh, the music, the vibe, the vibe, I'll say, vibe. of Animal Crossing, yeah. yeah. I think just the creativity, well, I, I want to, let me be specific, because it's Please. like, oh, the, the feelings I had there. No, <laughs> F that. Like, let's go with an actual thing. <laughs> yeah, Hanson. Oh, <laughs> my feelings. Um, let's see, Max, I would say um, the, it's tough because everything has flaws in that game, too. I love that game, but it's so flawed. Um, I think the, uh, the terraforming. I just think the way mm. you can kind of customize the island to be whatever you want it to be for the most part within max. the confines. That's max. That's my That's max good. terraforming. That's good. I like it. Um, Pokemon Yellow. <laughs> uh, max Pikachu's fat. Yep, Max. Yeah, Pikachu Min. following you around. Like getting that close-up um, shot of Pikachu every time you talk to him and like seeing that expression with the hearts or whatever. That's that's Max. 
and then min is kind of like when buy, that was enough to buy the game yeah isn't that wild right. what a time i know and we did so happily but i guess the yeah. min is just the fact that it, like it is the same game like team rocket's in it now and it looks like jesse and james woohoo you know like i think min random encounters okay oh. all right good 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 i like it uh, the Sleepy Mailman writes in, they say, Hey, Min Max, in honor of the recent Pokemon Presents, um, are animatronics cool or creepy? <laughs> did anybody else? Oh, yeah. Did you watch this freak show? <laughs> I forgot about that. God. Kyle, did you see this thing? I, I, I saw the clip that you guys, that you put online. <laughs> okay. You're reacting to it, which is, and then I have been seeing people sharing it as like a meme. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. So it's creepy. Yeah. yeah. The Pokemon creepy. company, Mr. Man, um, not to be confused with Mr. Mime. Uh, but he was giving his presentation, and there was just an animatronic Pikachu sitting next to him the whole time. Just like, it was just pure nightmare fuel. He, he blinked at us right. to leave. Yes. Like when they did the toss, he like did a distinctive blink, and that's when I realized, oh my god, that thing's alive. That's the problem: is animatronics. They all think, well, we want to make it look like it's alive, therefore they need to blink. But blinking is damn fast, and every animatronic blink is like you just can't blink fast enough with modern technology. Um, Definitely so, creepy. It was the yeah, whole premise creepy. of FNAF. FNAF? They made billions off oh. of it. The being creepy. Oh, Friday Night <laughs> Fest. Got it. Did I ever tell you that stupid story, Janet? <laughs> no. <laughs> only I'm we care about it. Only we care about it. But uh, Andy McNamara, former editor-in-chief of Game Informer, he, he, he was very funny. And every time he couldn't remember the name of something, he would just lob a name out there. And so we're talking about Five Nights at Freddy's. And he couldn't think of the name or something. He's like, yeah, it's Friday Night Fest. <laughs> funniest, stupidest word. And then that's all anyone ever called that game. <laughs> yeah. offices. Right. So I'm looking forward He's to that a movie. list of all his game names. I don't know if I still have that. Please. I'm surprised someone hasn't made that game yet. I'm sure, I'm sure it's has. on there. Yeah, they played it last month on Steam Secret I mean, Stash. Andy's at EA now. You know, they could be working on that. Hello. EA original. Um, <laughs> Dylan Kelly writes in and says, Dear Ben and Company, do you think humans will achieve faster than life Faster than light travel during your lifetime. P.S. The FTL soundtrack's a banger. Well, if this question's good enough, Dylan, you'll win it. No. No. Not in our lifetime. No. I'll take self-driving car. Let's get that locked down. It is weird that, like... <laughs> it's like You're partially self-driving. Well, no, but it's just weird that Einstein... Self-driving cars that don't kill people? Yes. Sure. Yeah. I, that is an important asterisk. Thank uh, you, <laughs> I've used the self-drive. But you can't fully self-drive. But sure. I, mean, I want fully self-drive, self -drive, yeah. Uh, I mean, it I switches lanes and everything. You have to have your hand on the wheel, though, for safety purposes. I don't want to be on a soapbox, y'all, but <laughs> wake me up and tell me, first of all, and I'm just going to say this, how about no cars that kill people? Uh, hot take, hot We've take. never had this before. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> We're done. Um, it is, but it's, it's just weird that... That's like, the other thing, too. Like, I've been oh. safe in that Jeep. You see those, how often those things tumble over? It was my dream car, but I realized it tumbles over yeah. really often. Yep, old Ford Escape problem. It, it, sure, it's made to tumble, but also, why are you always tumbling? <laughs> Anyways, FTL. I think I think it's funny that like science over the last over a hundred years has been like, yeah, there's nothing better faster than the speed of light. Moving on. And then, like, everyone's like, yeah, but we'll get around it, though. Like, everyone's yeah, so confident. <laughs> why? It's we'll like, figure it out. There's what a rule. Is that? Also, gravity on spaceships. We'll figure out. Right. Anta, you know, right. like not going to be a problem. Virtual we got gravity it. or we whatever. Got yeah. It. yeah. Um, let's see. Mr. Buttons writes in and says, "Which is more fun?" Great name. It is good. Which is a more fun experience: completing a big, colorful puzzle or completing a large, complex Lego set? Lego set. Lego set. Wow. But like, think of like I, I love a good Lego set too. But like, three hundred bucks versus like 
yeah three dollars at a goodwill for a good puzzle it's not about you the know money. Like, it's about the, yeah. the satisfaction i actually yeah. think a puzzle might be more satisfying but i don't want to do the work of a puzzle like i don't i'm so bad See, at puzzles that's, that's the thing we we did a huge puzzle as a family recently and it took us a really long time and like the payoff because it was so much work the payoff was kind of like almost underwhelming like, yeah kyle i also work. just did my taxes <laughs> okay. anyway so joe writes it no uh but yeah. the, the lego because the lego stuff is like less work because it's very directed like i do yeah. find like the process of making it is less stressful and the sad and the conclusion is more satisfying as a result I don't know. right right uh yeah because but i think legos like can look cool on a shelf i think if you like keep a finished puzzle and you're trying to like laminate it or something I think you should be hospitalized. I think there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I have you, What do you guys do with your finished puzzle, though? Because that begs the question. Like, yeah, what tear, do you, you're or, just throwing it away? Tear it, apart, tear it apart and give it away. Absolutely. That's, Take a picture. See, there's like, and that's why like, I can never get down with like the puzzle, the true puzzle community, because mm. that's sick. Like, just like, tear it apart. Janet, we did actually do, frame do you, one of ours. So do you the break it into pieces so that you can like just put large chunks back in the box? That's weird. That's what we used to do. Because <laughs> it's like, bad. yeah, because then you can cheat. You can when you're obviously going to take it out a month later, you can cheat and just put the big pieces back together. Right. But like, what do you like? Someone's coming over, like bust out the puzzle we made yep. so they can see gotta how. Get, gotta also, pull that too, puzzle like, out. again, pu puzzle is just too hardcore. You lose mm. one thing in a puzzle, it's over. Lego literally sends you extra pieces with like the smallest ones, so you're not the likelihood of you losing one is pretty low. It's yeah. much easier to get more pieces. So I hate puzzles, but they're more satisfying, maybe. That's true. I I haven't done a Lego. I don't know that I've ever done a Lego set. Is it as annoying as what? like wait, what, what? IKEA directions? No, for, it's so whoa, good. whoa, 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 whoa! You've never done a Lego set. I played with Legos like a creative child in the 80s where you just build something from your imagination. I don't need wow. a bespoke what? set. What did you imagine at the time? Uh, it was probably just blocky castle. <laughs> a lot of stacks like of squares. <laughs> it's big yeah. square castle. That, yeah. Trying to make a diet coke. It's just a red block on top of another red <laughs> yeah. block. No, all mixed because we didn't have enough to color code anything That's right. special. That's right. No. Pretty soon, Jeff, I'm, you'll, you'll buy you'll buy some for your kid and they'll get tired of it after like the first eight steps and then you'll finish it. Mm -hmm. is and what happened to me a lot. It's really like, good. Yeah, this is great. Really? Yeah. Crowboy at the backstage pass. He says, please make Jeff and building a Lego set and you show plus option. Oh, absolutely. Way ahead of you, Crowboy. It is on the list. It is on the list. It's the best. No, it's much, it's like super simple. I feel like too, like I hadn't played with Lego since I was a kid. Like I did, you know, Bionicles and stuff, but then mm -hmm. I had like this big gap and going back into it was kind of intimidating because there's so many pieces. Like I did the, uh, they have the Lego tall neck. Jeff, That's I'm right. going to dig more to Horizon. There's more content for you, baby. It's in Lego. Um, th the stuff is so simple. They have like the online versions too, where you can kind of zoom in more. Like they have all these like mm. assistive stuff. They even have a tool for getting the Lego pieces apart. And I'm like, when I was a kid, you mm. just had to ruin your hand. That was or, bad. Yeah, or That's not true. The, the tool existed. Like that, the gray piece. I had that in my like, childhood. Mine, this one's orange. It's kind of like a oh, really? fulcrum looking thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think mine was like, I think it was gray. Unless I'm thinking of the shark. I don't know. Maybe you were part of like the childhood elite or something. We didn't have that. Hang on. You just yeah. had the, you just had the yeah. deal. That's right. I forgot I was part of the childhood elite. We, we yeah. had the council. The bourgeoisie. That's dressed right. Dressed all in purple. A silver little <laughs> pie bar. Yeah. Yeah. A silver spoon in his mouth. <laughs> the problem with the backstage pass version of the, this podcast is we've made multiple reference to the purple thing, but 
you only will understand what we're talking about if you listen to the pre-show. If you're at the Mexican Fest, but doesn't that make you curious? Aren't you just curious why we're talking about financial means? Like, check it out. Like, it's some good content, some deeper cuts. That's right. Joe Dean writes in with a killer question, saying, "What's better, Zelda's item get jingle or Final Fantasy's battle victory jingle?" Ooh, Zelda because you hear it less often. Yeah, I think that's I think that's accurate. Although, but I love the Final Fantasy jingle. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I would say. Is this controversial for Zelda, Kyle? Item get do it. classic. I would put above the item get jingle the entering a house jingle of just like the start of like the dun 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 dun. Like that little yeah, descent is so You get that satisfying. a lot in Minish Cap because you're know. going in houses and houses a lot. Yeah, and it makes me happy every time. Good. But dumb question, is that, when did that start? Is that, does Link to the Past have that same intro every time you go in a building? It was a definitely an ocarina, right? Yep. Um, but I, yeah, it might have been in Link to the Past. I don't know. Sure. Let us know, Zelda fans. If anybody out there has like written a book on Zelda, just let us know in the comments what the answer is. You're acting like I have like <laughs> I this encyclopedia knowledge of like every What is going on? Yeah, why do we all I hate didn't each have other? a section about whether that song occurred <laughs> in every game? I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, bargain bin, Sebastian, <laughs> 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 Sebastian Napoleonario. <laughs> So Sebastian writes in and they say, respec or no respec in games. I enjoy the tension of committing to a long-term decision, makes it more personal and impactful. At the same time, my Divinity 2 playthrough could have been a torture without respec. Personally? Respect. Yeah, I, I don't get no respec. I don't get no re- So you... I don't know where you fall on this <laughs> debate with that answer. Also, when I read this question, I thought it was respect without the T. So I thought it was going to be like a quiz of can you pay respects in the game? Oh my God. <laughs> That's elaborate. So I, someone I, asked that next week because it sounds, I'm interested in playing that. I remember. But I, I always like, I think it should always be there. You should be able to respect all your stats and stuff. Right. I don't know that I have ever in my life taken advantage of it. I always just stick with what Same. I've got, even if I'm still struggling. <laughs> yeah. I read ahead and I plan it out. But sometimes you can't plan it out. Like sometimes they like gray it out too much. But usually I pick a what I'm doing ahead of time. But I like the option. Uh, yeah, I remember visiting. God, this might be completely wrong, but correct me if I'm wrong, everybody. The um, I remember visiting Bungie before Destiny One for like the big Game Informer cover story in Destiny One. Dive into the system. How would we know if that's wrong? Well, hear me out. Hear me out. But like Tyson Green, I remember he's like the investment lead or something at the time. He was making a big deal about like. Respeckings for babies. We want to be more Diablo 2 than Diablo 3. You'll never be able to respec in Destiny. And then I think you can respec in Destiny, right? I have to imagine that they went back on that. But I remember that was like their big pitch. It's like, no one cares about game design anymore. We do. No respec. And I'd imagine they've gone back on it. But uh, That's insane. Yeah. Like, it, you, should, you should be able to respec. And I like the games where there's not even a penalty for it. The penalty for it is... Now you have 30 skill points and you have to refigure out an right. entire build yep. in yep. one sitting. But yeah, I, I do that from time to time. Uh, it's it's nice to be able to buy. No, forget it, Hanson. We're not moving on. We're going to talk about this forever. Okay. It's nice, be, it's nice being able to buy an ability without when you're like, eh, is this going to be good or not? And it doesn't matter. You can just do it. The best ones, though, uh, Mario versus Rabbids, where you can just un, you can unspec yeah. uh individual ability. Yes. That's yep. great. Yep, for sure. That's what every game should do. Ian Z writes in. Isn't wasn't he on 90210? What was his name? Ian Ian Zering, wasn't that that guy? So it's probably him. He says, "Hey crew, how do you maintain faith in democracy 
when Pajama Sam, no need to hide when it's dark outside, comes third in the game championship poll. Justice for Pajama Sam. Yeah, so if you missed this, uh, everybody who joins that game champion tier, we have the game championship every couple months where we pit all these games that people chose against each other to see which game we create bonus content about. And for the first couple game championships, it was like, Wind Waker, uh, Persona 5 Royal, and it's like everyone, like great games, no doubt. But I thought it was a little bit boring. Like everyone's just kind of choosing the most obvious ones. But lately, people are annihilating it and just making really fun picks. Where like the last one that won was that Magic School Bus game that Sarah yes. and I streamed through. And this time, the final three were Guitar Hero 2, Pajama Sam, No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside. And the herbs, Sims in the City. <laughs> like out of hundreds of amazing games, those three uh, were the grand, grand championship. Uh, and then it turns out that the herbs, Sims in the City won. So we're going to be creating bonus content about that. You know, nice. someone who has a Z in their name should be really excited about herbs. Oh, you'd think so. That's true. Z people have to stick together, Ian Zering. So Mick Manga writes in and says, Hello, popcorn-loving cohorts. With the Super Mario movie rapidly approaching, they bumped it up two days? I thought I would do some research and look up the highest grossing video game movies of all time. Here are the top 10. Can the crew guess them all? All right. So try and guess okay. top 10 highest grossing video game movies of all time. And, and we're just trying to guess 10. It's not necessarily order. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So Uncharted. Uncharted is number five at $401 million. Okay. Sonic. Uh, res- oh, Sonic the Hedgehog is number four at $404 million. Are both of them Resident on there? Evil. Oh, great question. Uh, sorry, that was Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is number four. Sonic the Hedgehog 1 is 320 million. Jeff, what was your guess? Resident Evil. Correct. Resident Evil Afterlife is number 10 at 300 million. Resident Evil The Final Chapter is at 312 million. Is Afterlife the one in the desert, Kyle? Which one is Afterlife? Yeah, I've never, I think maybe I watched the first one. Oh, really? I've never watched the first one. first one's yeah. fun. Um, um, Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu number two. By the way, uh, Alarming that they haven't announced a new one of those, right? What the hell's going on there? I don't know. Yeah, it made something 400- left to solve. That's they right. Solved it. it made four hundred thirty-three million dollars. Um, that is. There uh, are four uh, World of Warcraft. Are we War- talking domestic or must be mm, unclear? But Warcraft is number one at four hundred thirty-nine okay. million. Mm. I think that must it's be international. Domestic. <laughs> it, it, yeah, you're right. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah. Um, so what are we at now? Uh, you have three remaining. Okay. Um, um, here's a hint. One of them is an animated film. Angry Birds. Kyle Hilliard, number six, Angry Birds, 352 million. Number three, I never would have thought this did so well. It was probably carried. No, it was probably carried by its star, which people seem to like. Some would say they're the most bankable person in Hollywood, even though. um, Oh, uh, Rampage. Rampage. There we go at 428 million. Now just number seven remains. This is a producer, iconic producer, I believe. Is it Monster Hunter? Nope. No? Iconic producer, okay. I think director as well. And they had a big hit at Disney. And they said, now we'll tackle this next. And we'll adapt this video game. And the world said, uh-uh. But apparently it made $336 million. Uh, the casting of the main character was certainly a choice that with each passing year is a worse and worse choice. Racially... Um, I'm scared. <laughs> you should Raider. be. I, uh, nope. It's not either of those. It's any a of those three. Probably. Bruckheimer joint. This is the off the heat of Pirates of the Caribbean. They said we can do no wrong. Oh. Now mm. we will do this. 
And I was about to say um, Lone Ranger, but that's not a video game. No, but you're right. It feels like it's in that same vein. Um, and they said, hey, hey, person who won't give Taylor Swift their scarf back, you're the star of our film. Kanye West starred in this film? Oh, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> no, but you're so close. Assassin's Creed 2. It was Assassin's <laughs> Creed 2 starring Kanye West was number seven. Thank you so much, McMahon. Oh, that one guy. What's his name again? The dude Jake from All Too Well. There we go. Yeah, yeah okay. The, wait, yes. The dude The dude from All Too Well, not the music video, but the actual oh, dude. Oh, Prince of Persia. Prince right. of Persia. Yeah. There oh, we go. Right. There we go. Allegedly okay. Jake Gyllenhaal, anyway. Allegedly. She said that she was making music about him. Seemed but. pretty clear. Uh, <laughs> Mick Manga, thank you for preview, That's all I know. <laughs> that's right. God, Prince of Persia, right. Yeah, uh, I never saw it. Written by Mechner, I think. Oh, weird. Or yeah, he worked on it in some way, right? I think he wrote the script because he always wanted to be a, 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 a screenplayer. Right. What do you call that? Screenplayer. <laughs> yeah. A film. I mean, that's that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to write right. movies and then he fell backward into that video game thing. Um, okay, what do y'all like for question of the week? Like the mid-max one. Min Max no, one I think was good. Max. I think that was an interesting yeah. angle. Um, we have Lego or puzzles, respec, Mario or like top ten movies, uh, having your cake and eating it too. DLC. <laughs> I like DLC as well, actually, because that is an interesting. Okay. There's always DLC, but like, all right, how, how Jeff, I'm playing it. You got to break this time, man. Someone should do a show that's just DLC of games. It's no other content. It's possible. We could do it. It, that's a new show plus option. We've tried it a couple times and nobody votes for it. That's uh, it's just I, like, <laughs> I like the min-max one. All right. Who would have thunk it? Congratulations to Catherine Gilbert. We'll ship you out that FTL soundtrack. Congratulations, Kath. Uh, now it's time for something that we personally call Get a Little of This. All right, everybody. We got little factoids. There's links below for all these funky things. Uh, hey, get a load of this, everybody. It was late last week, but I just can't get over how horrifying it was. This goes down in as a Hall of Fame worst game announcement I've ever heard in my life. Here we go. This is on an earnings call um, oh. <laughs> for Warner Brothers. Um, yeah. Here it is. Let's see. And there's lots more to come. That's, that's including what my the highly was. anticipated Mortal Kombat 12 and Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. It's just... Some financial dweeb at Warner Brothers just being like, by the way, Mortal Kombat 12 will be coming in 2023. We expect great results. It's like, wait, did NetherRealm someone, know this? Someone must have not approved that, right? It's pre-written. It's yeah. not someone off the cuff. But right. Like, there was someone who didn't, the wrong, the bright people didn't flag that as being like, oh, nope, we don't want to mention that one. Right. Way. It's bizarre. Right? And like Ed Boon is a cheeky tease on online and they've teased Mortal Kombat 12 a lot but like to the point that I wasn't even confident that's what they were working on like it seemed from leaks that it was hinting that direction but just to have it out there like yeah, it's Mortal Kombat 12 it's coming this year like that sucks so bad to learn about it that way so sorry everybody Hanson, if you didn't know that you you went hard on that poor earnings call guy I hate him no he's doing his job he's fine um Jeff you sent me one is this what is this yeah. <laughs> okay we should, we should show it. this do it do you want to say anything before this I don't. Okay. <laughs> Here we go from Jeffum. Hey, get a load of this. I was too lazy to record my own get a load of this for this week's podcast, so I generated one instead using an AI synthesized voice trained on my own voice data. So now I can create an audio clip of me saying anything I want. 
Granted, I could also just record an actual clip of me saying anything, but then I'd have to use my mouth. And who wants to do that? This is way more efficient. Also, is it just me, or does AI Jeffem sound way smarter and more confident than regular old human Jeffem? Like he should be hosting an NPR show on how AI technology will eventually lead to the destruction of our society, only he's too cool to care or actually be affected by it. Subscribe to our new dystopia on your favorite podcast app. <laughs> wow. There you go. There we go. Scary. Hey, get a load of this. <laughs> okay, all right, AI. All right. <laughs> Don't do it We're again. Not gonna get Don't do it again. He's becoming self-aware. It's asking me to leave like my wife. And uh, we haven't heard from in a while, but Wade Wojcik. It kind of sounds like Wade Wojcik. You know what's weird? Okay, I'm, I'm interested in this tech because um, somebody also submitted like, hey, I generated your voice, Ben Hansen, and it's saying a bunch of stuff about Pharmacy 7, and I listened to it, and I'm like, Oh, it kind of sounds like me at first. Then the more I listen to it, I'm like, I think this is just that guy recording himself. Like, I don't think this is me. So, but th- how does it work, Jeff? Because it kind that, of sounds a little bit like you, but then it, as it yeah, goes on, it becomes less and less. It's weird. And, and it's, it was, it was weird because I heard it and I was like, oh, that does sound like me. And then right. I was like, although I don't really listen to my voice enough to actually know because I played it for my brother and he was like, yeah, it doesn't sound that much like you. Right. But, but like this was, you know, some AI startup website where you give them two, two minutes of audio and okay. 30 seconds later, they just create this like AI voice based on yours. And it's, yeah. it's, it's less that it sounds like me, but more, it sounds more natural than most text to speech. That does. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it sounds 50% that, That's what's like really you. creepy. And I hate it yeah. for that reason. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got something, Janet? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, I'm going to do a little like co-plug situation. Uh, I just want to highlight Blessings, uh, most episode, recent yes. episode of The Blessing Show. It's We Need to Fix Black Hair in Video Games, and it's doing really well. It's his most viewed in his series, and it's a super good, informative, surprisingly funny watch. Like, I think he totally nails, like, the few bits he has in there. And um, I just really enjoyed it, and I just want to highlight it. If yeah. you haven't checked it out, check it out. A lot of outlets are picking it up, but as you talked about, that doesn't necessarily, like move heaven and earth and no. in general i think you know it's a topic he's passionate about and he's just excited to get more people to have eyes on it and i've seen devs yeah. be like oh this is like you know i'm sharing this within our circles like i haven't thought about it in this way so um it's just cool to see you know a, a colleague and friend of mine make something that really feels like it's having a, a positive impact so yeah, I, i'd I, appreciate if you all watched and shared it it's good yeah there's a link below for for all this stuff it's in the description and like yeah it's interesting just to like going through so many character creators for like the b-roll in that video like putting them all side by side and you get to see like oh Oh, some of these are very, very bad. And that's uh, a little bit the point of the video. So yeah, definitely check it out. Um, Kyle, you got one? Um, hey, get a load of this. I just, this is a weird, maybe this is a weird one. I'm I'm currently subscribed to Peacock because I've been enjoying Poker Face, huh. um, the television show. But there's another, if, if you're like me and you're watching Peacock for that reason, there's another TV show on there called Girls 5 Eva that is like a <laughs> Tina Fey joint. It's like, really? it's like a one of, the, yeah, it's like, you know, there was 30 Rock and then there was Good News and then there was Kimmy Schmidt and then there was Mr. Mayor. And this is like Girls 5 Ever. This is like another 30 Rock-ish inspired show that I was just like losing my mind laughing at season two. There, there It's um it's really, it's about a girl group in that boy band era of like right. uh, the early 2000s, like coming back together when they're all like adults. And it's got that sort of 30 Rock really zany goofiness to it uh that i really appreciate and hansen huh. the basically the star of the show is uh she was in hamilton i she played the the the, the main sister i, I okay I, i'm blanking on her name but she basically plays the main like the 
the main character and she's freaking hilarious it's it's such a good show girls five eva it's it's i, I don't see a Sweet. lot of people talking about it but a really funny show that i like i had never even heard of it yeah uh jeff did you pull one from the community i did get a little of this uh this one ties right back into the last one. Um, this is from that flow state. Uh, and it's a tweet that someone put out um, that says, someone made this video by using Al Guinness's voice AI and yes. ripping apart uh, some uh, Django Fett logic. And it, it basically, it starts with uh, Obi-Wan talking to, to Luke Skywalker. And then it just, but then it just breaks down like, I don't know if it was episode two, two or episode two. three, but uh, but it's like it's from his perspective talking about like all all the ways that Jango Fett could have just killed Princess whatever Princess they were talking about. Right. Yes, and how and how they were doing it's such hilarious. a terrible job. Yes, it's uh, very good keeping her safe. <laughs> so watch that one. Watch that one. Uh, all right, everybody. I think that's it for this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. Uh, we're always curious for your feedback, what you thought of the episode, what you think of the show, all that fun stuff. Um, and then also, uh, we could use some new reviews on iTunes. So, or I guess Apple Podcasts, I guess they call it now, probably 10 years ago, they changed that name, who knows. But uh, if, here's a little deal that I'll make with you listeners and viewers. If you go leave a review for the MinMax Show on Apple Podcasts, and in your review, you include some way to get a hold of you, whether that's a Twitter handle, email address, if you're comfortable with that. Twitter handle might, might be the easiest, right? Um, leave some way to get a hold of you with your review. You're automatically in the running to win a game code. Uh, we will give away five game codes. And this is from like the Trivia Tower prize pool. So there's some very good games in there. So we're going to be randomizing it and giving away five. So your odds of winning a game code are very high, is what I'm trying to say. And you get to choose which game you want. And we have like... We have over 100 games for you to choose from in there. It's it's a huge pile. Uh, so go in uh, to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and include somebody to hold you. You're automatically in the running, and your odds will be very high. You win a free game code. So it's a small thank you for helping to spread the word and maybe get the MinMax show in front of more people. Um, if you want to help support this type of content directly, you can go to patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. Uh, you can unlock our bonus podcast party chat each and every week. This week we talked about the menu. Uh, I finally saw that movie. It turns out it freaking rules. Uh, so we unpacked that. Uh, and then also just, it was, you know, it's always an interesting behind the scenes look at production at MinMax, pros and cons, where we're at, where we're stressed, where we're not, all that fun stuff. So if you enjoy uh, this podcast, you'd probably enjoy Party Chat, our weekly bonus podcast. Also, heads up, we have the new episode of Trivia Tower for March happening on Sunday, March 12th. This is going to be an afternoon episode if you're in the States, uh, but we're doing it early on a Sunday so that people in Europe can compete. So if you're in Europe and you're always bummed out by us never having the right schedule for Trivia Tower, this is your opportunity to jump in and compete for an Astro A30 headset and a bunch of game codes. Astro A30 headset, which multiple people on this podcast are wearing right now. Uh, so you can win all that. So please jump in and compete in Trivia Tower and you can compete in Trivia Tower by supporting us on Patreon, even at that $2 tier um, all week long. Here at MinMax, we've uh, been having the celebration of Double Fine Psych Odyssey, which I understand is very dorky to be unpacking a documentary series in this big of a way, but I'm glad yeah, for ben, everybody. Yeah, Ben, do you like that thing? I more than like it, Kyle. I'm a bit obsessed. But I, it's very heartening to see so many people in the community be like, yeah, I watched that. I started watching it, and it's it has consumed my life. It is so good. Thank you for letting me know about it. Um, so we've been trying to unpack it with a whole series of content. Um, I understand that's a silly thing to do, but that's kind of the beauty of independent games media and being supported on patreon is we can do things that 
don't make sense. For example, uh, we can have a whole three-part game club discussion on Like a Dragon Ishin. We are tackling that currently for the deepest dive. Uh, Leo Vader's hosting it. Sarah Pajorski's on it. Jacob Geller is on it. And Michael Hyam, formerly of Fanbyte and GameSpot, he is on it as well. Uh, the first episode is now up. And they're going to be covering it over the next couple weeks in a huge three-part discussion with the deepest dive. You can submit your comments and your thoughts for them to read by supporting us on Patreon. Or you can like the podcast version of the deepest dive on Patreon. Um, I can't wait to jump in there and listen to it myself. It's cool that Leo's hosting this thing. Janet, you hosted the second episode of Jack and Daxter. You know what it's like. Yeah, I can't wait to see. I mean, Leo, anything with Leo is awesome because Leo's so fun <laughs> and knowledgeable and like say a bad thing about Leo. That says no. more about you than it is about Leo. That's you know exactly what I mean? Like, That's exactly I, I can't wait. I'm definitely going to dip in when I uh, finally get around to um, yeah. each myself. Yeah, but the point is, there's a reason that you don't see other outlets out there uh, doing huge, gigantic three-part game club discussions on Like a Dragon Ishin. It's too lucrative. The, the problem is, it's not a viable and sustainable way to run a big organization. The only thing that makes it viable and allows it to exist is the people that go to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. So thank you for letting a small outlet like us being a little bit weird. You can double the size of this outlet overnight if really just a couple of you went to patreon.com slash minmax and jumped in at that $2 tier and competed in Trivia Tower and got a bunch of fun prizes out of it as well um so yeah that's it for this episode of the minmax show that was a fun one thank you janet i thank thee and kyle and jeffum uh are we all on good terms or was there too much sniping no i'm mad at jeffum for liking horizon yeah i'm mad at that truck and i'm just here to instigate if i'm being honest yeah i get it all right but thanks so much everybody we appreciate it we'll see you next week be good have fun let's go